Did you ever hear of Satanism, the worship of the devil, of the evil? Approaching it, the great modern priest of the ancient cult. At night, dark of the moon, the rites of Lucifer are celebrated. You've got to do something. You've got to save my daughter's life. Everyone I touch is poisoned. I want you should change my face. This is the nebula in Andromeda. Doctor Spessary than my death. More power than man has ever possessed. You monster. The sinister hand of science dares a new and dangerous experiment. Into the body of a gentle scholar is grafted the brain of a criminal, and a new and deadly monster is born. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 226 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live and direct with my brother, the Mexicant, also known as JP. And yet again, back in the house, we have the man, the myth, the legend, with the replicated Joe Pesci voice, the one and only Dave Cialeta from the Exploding Heads Horror Podcast, and of course I be your host, the ill-mented funky child that's straight going buck wild and always forever, the toxic offender, Moods, yeah. What's going on, dudes? What's up? Yo. Dave, this is like a record for you. It's like three shows in a row. Oh, it's going to be it's, about to be four. It's going to be four, yeah. Actually, it's yeah, going to be four in a row, only, yeah. Is this the only yeah. time we've ever recorded two shows in one week? Because we're about to. No, no, we've done it before. Shots. We've actually, this Have actually we? happened once before. We did, we recorded and then we did, uh, I think it was like a special show on a Friday too. It, it's definitely happened once before, so. But yeah. I think I'm pretty much all ready to go on the 94. I just want to, I, I, I am done. I'm done with watching movies. I have 12 yep. more. <laughs> I mean, I have, I'm going to watch three more because I've really been putting off uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein because I didn't want to buy it and I only have a full screen DVD. (laughs) So I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I kind of wanted to watch it in the best quality to maybe have the best viewing of it because I've never really been the biggest fan of the movie. You know, I've always thought it was kind of an oddball, which is interesting. I I just finished the book. Yeah. And... Like, I've seen that version before, uh, the 94 version, and I never really cared for it. But, like, after reading the book, my memory of it, like, it's definitely the closest adaptation we've had of Frankenstein, I think. Um, So maybe I'll appreciate it a little bit more because the book is vastly different than the original 30s Frankenstein film. Mm Mm-hmm. it's way it's so different like i didn't expect it to be that different um it's a good book but Mm -hmm. it's completely different from that film i like the film more (laughs) yeah i've just i've just seen so many adaptations of frankenstein over the year and that was the one that always kind of stood out to be as being one that i never really cared for that much you know i never had any ambition to go back to it you know the big thing about the the book is like, like there's an entire section of the book that's from the monster's perspective with him talking. Right. And like, I feel like that doesn't translate to film very well. It just doesn't work as well. You know what I mean? Whereas like in 
the original film it's more about like yeah well they being they, like they made him silent monster. in the in the first film yeah right he doesn't even talk so yeah. like, that's yeah, a big I think di- that's just what we're accustomed to is what it is i think because so many years of seeing frankenstein's monster portrayed this way and i'm i've never seen mary shelley's frankenstein until now I, i'm doing it for 94 it's a first time watch so but just hearing you say that i'm thinking you know I, we're just so accustomed to Frankenstein's monster being portrayed that way because of the 31 movie. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's like maybe if they had him talk from the beginning, it wouldn't be such a an oddball thing to see now. Right. It's just – you know how it is. We're just accustomed to it. But for 94, I'll say one thing. I'm done. And yesterday for the first time ever, I watched the last thing. I saved it for the end. I watched The Stand start to finish in one sitting, the whole fucking six hours. So that was something. That I've was never done. I've never done that. I I've did, only watched. I did that too, actually. And it, 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 is really? your is your opinion Man, on? It's interesting. Is your opinion on the stand like very similar to um, ours, where the first half of the movie is a lot better than the second half? Yes, but, but I will say this: I think I well not not I think I enjoyed it more watching it in one sitting than i have watching it in installments yeah really so i have i have a, I have a better appreciation for the movie but of course you know you know what you're going into with something like that just like it especially the miniseries mm-hmm. sitting down and watching although you could say the same thing for the two movies if you watched them all back to back you know you're that it's top heavy you know that you're going to see most of the horror in the beginning because i mean let's face it the first the first act of the stand is fantastic mm-hmm. like yeah. you know it's the most interesting stuff it's the most interesting right, parts, the yeah. Play. yeah it is kicking it off so that's always the best best stuff and 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 everyone pretty much would agree just like with it that the climax and you know some of the last act is a little to be desired but once you know that going into it i don't know it's like when you've done it a couple of times and i'm, I'm already expecting to kind of be a little let down because it starts off so well seeing it in one sitting i don't know i just it was just a better experience, is all I can say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a that's a hike. I, most like I've watched Storm of the Century Century in one sitting, oh. and oh, yeah. I've watched it in one sitting many times. I've never watched the new version of it, the two films back to back. That would probably no, be pretty I'd like fun. To. Yeah, I've actually been yeah. wanting to do that myself. I've yeah. seen the first one a few times. I've only seen the second one, I think, twice or the second part. Um, but yeah, I should actually put those together one time and watch them, see how it kind of works as a whole. Yeah, there was rumors that like a one big cut of the movie was going to come out, but yeah, it still hasn't. I well, think I'm that sure would be awesome. Oh, I, yes. I mean, I, I guess they kind of. Well, I mean, I guess not really, but you know, you know that website, Stinky Tuna. Yeah, no. it's gone now. They shut it down. Oh well, that that doesn't really surprise me, anyways. But anyways, I noticed. Yeah. Um, I was actually just watching a guy's video this morning, and he'd picked up a um a stinky tuna release of kill bill of tarantino's kill bill and it's basically the version that bloody affair yeah it's the whole bloody affair version so it has the two parts together and i believe the 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 big fight samurai scene is um in color in that too actually it is so i was like you know that'd be kind of interesting to watch it different because i would put a different spin on it right there and then having the whole thing as you know like a four-hour film would be pretty interesting so i kind of like what stinky tuna was doing even though it's completely not legal um, but I did like the right. fact that, that they were doing the um, the Netflix films that weren't getting physical releases. They were putting the, that's how they started right. out. I think is they were doing those exclusive uh, Netflix films and putting them out on physical copies for people that were collectors. And I like that idea. I'm like, you know what? And I'm just actually quite surprised that Netflix hasn't really 
jumped on that bandwagon of you know even press like you could start your own little pressing company and, and press up some shit because there has been a bunch of movies over the years on netflix where i'm like really like i would totally and i'm that person right now and i was thinking about this when i was watching his video going you know i would really like to get the fear street trilogy and i actually know i don't know if you guys ever watched Simon oh, explosive man. action from youtube but he's really good at you know making his own little versions and stuff so he got the movies and he made his own like uh, box set of the fear street movies and it looked fucking like store-bought it's really really well put <laughs> wow. together he's really good at that shit and i was like damn dude that looks really damn cool but um but that's a great example of something that i would purchase i would purchase that fear street trilogy because i really enjoyed the shit out of that and i think it's worthy Me of getting too, a buddy. physical release and then what was that movie a few years ago that came on netflix um the one in the forest um the, the ritual? ritual the ritual fuck yeah man that movie was fantastic and that was another exclusive yep. uh, netflix film that never got a physical release at, at, least, at least in north america i think it had a dvd release somewhere in the uk or something like that or some weird release but that's another one that is eluding my collection because i really enjoyed i watched that on netflix a couple times it's great it's a good movie man what about yeah, the invitation it's, that was it's only frustrating man mm. Now the yeah. invitation I, the invitation came out on draft house yeah the, oh, the, oh that it, invitation like right away though or yeah. did it take a year or so? It came out on Draft House before Netflix, yeah. I think. Yeah, it was on it, it was on Blu-ray before, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good But Draft one. House is like such a smaller label that like you're not gonna see it in any stores or anything, probably. Um well, it, but yeah, it, I, at, I, the, I at the draft at the Alamo in Texas, um they had all their movies in a vending machine. It was literally yeah. Draft House Blu-rays in a vending machine. So you just, you know, because I remember Jason Lloyd was there and he bought yeah. a bunch of fucking Draft House films. And I was like, and he's like, I got them out of the vending machine. I burst out laughing. I'm like, why the fuck doesn't more people sell their shit in vending machines? It's so <laughs> yeah. handy. It was cool. Yeah. I saw pictures of it. It was dope. Yeah. yeah. There's 45 yeah. in there and shit. Yeah. Waking for it. Kind of like a red box. If you think about it, except you're not renting them, you're buying them. Right. In a machine, right. you can right. Well, I mean, put money in and buy them. I mean, if you've ever been in an airport, man, you can literally buy five hundred dollar Bose headphones in a vending machine <laughs> in the airport. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it is frustrating with Netflix because um, they just don't—they don't put a lot of their stuff on Blu-ray. In fact, I actually just picked up um, the Haunting of Bly Manor and the Haunting of Hill House. It came in a double pack Blu-ray, and I was shocked that they even existed because netflix right. is so bad at putting out their physical their right. films on physical like i was thinking about it the other day i'm like dude like i'm gonna have to buy a bootleg of texas chainsaw because like i can't not have one of the texas chainsaw films in my collection dude and there's there i doubt they're gonna put it out sadly that's the future and i'll tell you this netflix they they're they're already in debt or they have been, as people have known. Yeah. I think that they don't have any confidence in physical media. If they're the ones that revolutionize the streaming game and they're losing money and they take a look around and they see that more and more people are getting out of the physical media game, I don't think they want to take the gamble. And, dude, I was in a class the other day for work in, in, the, in Bingham to New York, about a three-hour drive. And they were talking about – you know, I work for the power company. And they were talking about when the power goes off and – how certain things can be damaged when the power goes off different tools and stuff and it was so matter of fact the way this guy was talking about things but he was saying your television could be damaged this and that just talking about different things and then he goes and he goes oh he goes he goes blu-ray dvd player and he goes yeah he goes some things from the past he says so (laughs) (laughs) this is just a normal dude and nobody even here's the thing about no one even questioned that oh a thing of the past you know it's like right it's Netflix up. is such a big company 
that if they release the title and it sells 10,000 units, like that's garbage for them. Like that it's not right. even worth it. Right. But like if if Vinegar Syndrome releases a title and it sells 10,000 units, that's a home run. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's it, it's like a matter of perspective. Netflix doesn't have they're just too big to even care. Like it's not yeah. gonna, it's it's gonna be pennies for to them. You know what I mean? It, so it's that that's the problem with them. But it just sucks that yeah. they own the exclusive rights to the these a lot of these films. Like there was so much hush, uh, uh, most hush of Flanagan's sure. stuff. Right. It's uh, it's so interesting though too because when you look at somebody like you know Charles Band's uh, Full Moon, if you he's willing to give you like 10 free Blu-rays to sign up for the streaming. <laughs> he's giving away the free physical <laughs> right, media yeah, just that. to get the stream. Yeah. I know I need yeah, to do, I, I want, I'm hoping I can do that too, because there's actually some of the back Blu-rays that I, I would like to get. And you know, whatever, well, another streaming kind of service annoyed. is fine. They kind of tricked me a bit. I talk about this in my update. Um, they made it seem like you could pick any 10 Blu-rays from their website, but mm-hmm. they, they, it is not all that. It does not have their, it's all the older titles. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, there's some newer stuff on there too, but it's just it's it's like a selection, and they actually screwed me over because I picked my ten, and I get them, and there's only nine, and they say this one's out of stock, but they oh. never like sent it or replaced <laughs> it or gave me a different copy, so I ended up with only nine. That's so Charles Band. I mean, they, they basically could have right. said, you know, four or five are out of stock. Sorry, bro. Yeah. Luck of the draw. Right. <laughs> maybe but maybe should have went with say, this other title. I will say before. You should have went with um, an extra copy of Pet Shop, you know, because that movie's awesome. <laughs> no, Pet Shop sucks. <laughs> Pet Shop is um, fuck. I watched it last night. It terrible. was one of the better titles in there. It was Demonic Toys that they didn't have. Oh, um, so I was right, bummed about right. that. But the thing about um, Full Full Moon and and Charles Band and stuff is like I have actually ordered stuff and got extra shit in my packages before. Like wh- I remember back in the day, I bought the Puppet Master box set. Like the, uh, you know, the the original DVD set. Mm-hmm. I think it had up to um, Retro Puppet Master yeah, in it. The first and then the newest first... one had, yeah, the, it was first seven, I think. First seven. The yeah. newest one had just come out, which was um, Axis of Evil. And I bought that as well. <clears> so I didn't buy the Legacy. And they just threw it in. <laughs> They're like, they just threw it in. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, because I had one through seven and the nine, and they're like, "Well, you gotta have eight and they just threw in eight too, right. uh, which legacy sucks. But I was know, gonna say because they can't even the give it away. Right, right. <laughs> they're giving it away because no one's buying that shit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Brutal, man. But, uh, Brutal. It. Yeah, it, I have a love hate relationship with Full Moon. <laughs> I don't think there's ten Full Moon movies I would want. I'd have to sit down and look, to be honest. There's definitely That's very- Honestly, man, you know what's actually kind of funny about Full Moon? Like, look. 1994 was, like, the most prolific year for oh releases they ever had. They, re- they they released almost 10 films in 1994, and we just happened to be covering that year. But, but you know, honestly, man, you know, besides, like, the early Full Moon stuff, like the 80s, you know, before it became Full Moon... Um, like Charles, yeah, when it was all Empire, like that's all really cool and stuff. And I, I mean, you can kind of consider it still Charles Band. But then when it goes to Full Moon, I think with Puppet Master, I believe was like the first release until, you know, like 89 to about like 98, 99 was a pretty good era. There's like a 10 year era of Full Moon that's yeah. like, it's a quality era. And then it, it just switches. It's like the millennium hits. And all of a sudden it's like, bro, we're just going to cut budgets by like 97% and not give a fuck about anything. And then they start putting out like demonic toys too with like the worst cg it was and horrible like fucking horrible but that, that was the quality that they just went to and it was like bro like the first 
four or five years after like 99 was this era of full moon that was so disturbing. It was like, what are we getting I, I here? Think that, like, um, when you have like full moon, I think up until about like 95, uh, you have like a very solid and then you have a couple solid after 90, 95. And then, yeah. like you said, it goes downhill. Their early stuff was backed by Paramount. So they had Paramount budgets like yeah. with Puppet Master and stuff like that. So that's why a lot of the like 89 to like maybe like 92, 93, you had much, like much, much stronger movies um, because they had bigger budgets. Yeah. And then you get 94 um, where the, instead of making transfers four, they make transfers four and five on the same budget and it shows, right? <laughs> right? That's what they did. Yeah. Right, you know yeah. what I think it is? You know what I think the reason is? This is just a theory, but I think that they were making a lot of movies for rental shops. Oh, they weren't 100%. necessarily selling That's them all to they us were doing. Dying, that, that's right? all they were doing. It was dying out. It was dying yeah. out by Well, then. Charles Bam was smart. Listened. Charles Bam was smart. He he recognized that the consumer rented and bought movies based on artworks, right? So that's why they used to develop movies based on artworks first. And then when it came into the video era, it was like, well, What's going to make us, you know, have a shitload of sales or rentals and stuff is this awesome artwork. They didn't give a fuck about the movies, man. It wasn't even about right. the movies well, at all. I remember hearing Charles Band talk. And Charles Band, a, a documentary would be good on Charles Band oh. because he really truly was a pioneer in the video store he era. Was. Like, he, he was. Yeah. like did amazing things like before even full moon with wizard video and stuff like it was insane the stuff that he pulled off he even like was one of the first people to to create like the big boxes and stuff um because in yeah. consumers minds oh this one's this box is like way bigger it must be better you know until you realized it wasn't but at the time you know you'd see a this why is this one's box so much bigger it wasn't like, even it better, be better it was more something. marketable because it was bigger it was just it was just the idea of seeing that artwork in a bigger format. That's all it was. Right. Like he was he that recognized too, that having a bigger it's just bigger is better. I mean, that's what she said, right? Uh, so, but uh, I remember him talking, white shell, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember like him poor- talking about um, Killjoy specifically where he went to Blockbuster <laughs> with a poster of Killjoy. There was no movie. And um, he's like, yeah, I got this this new movie. It's called Killjoy and had the poster with the clown on it and they're like, all right, we'll take 150,000 units and uh he the wow. movie wasn't even made it wasn't there was no script it was nothing and they wanted it in like six weeks or something so he had to go make this movie in like six weeks and get it to blockbuster so like just wow. stuff like that was you know granted not the most quality shit you know, in the world but how, at the how same disappointed time, kind of impressive how disappointed would you have been if you ordered like a couple hundred copies to your to your store or whatever and then you watch killjoy you're like <laughs> oh lordy this is horrible that's one of the Kill weirdest franchises bad movie it, it's it, a very bad movie you know who would have ever thought that those movies would have got better as they went along like part two is better than one part three is better than two better than two and then and four, part is, four is better than three <laughs> it's like the weirdest thing it's like wow. full moon went yeah. ass backwards on that usually their yeah. production goes downhill but this one went up <laughs> yeah it really did like killjoy four is so much better than part one yeah. but it really is each one got better <laughs> they really did it's the weirdest franchise yeah it's like that you never see a franchise go in reverse like that it's usually there a, never is there a fifth <laughs> killjoy because the psycho circuit that was the fourth one right wasn't no, there Killjoy a Killjoy goes, goes to hell? Oh, yeah. Is Psycho Circus is the fourth one. And then... No, what? no, no. Killjoy goes to hell is the fourth one. I've never okay. seen Psycho Circus. That's the fifth one. Okay, that is the fifth one. Okay, I couldn't remember. Yeah, I've never seen that one either. I think it was only... 
it wasn't exclusive on the streaming when it came out and they never pressed it up. Like there's no physical copy I, for it there. I have no clue. Yeah. I think I it was really an exclusive don't. and it, there's no physical copy, which is strange because Ben usually does press up his movies. So yeah. that, that's interesting. All I know is I was, I was pissed off because, and I'm not a fan of the movie, but it is my franchise. But I remember that Killjoy Goes to Hell was out on Blu-ray before fucking Jason Goes to Hell. And I was like, how the fuck is this even possible? I was like, how is this possible? Well, that's Charles Band for you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's some, there's some like, weird. I was like looking at, um, like I was doing a DVD update recently. Um, and last night I recorded it and, uh, I had picked up Inglorious Bastards on 4k and I was like, how is Tarantino's films not better? Um, like treated better, right? Like well, that's he's, notoriously he's, a bad one Inglorious Bastards. The 4k you mean? Yeah. I haven't watched it yet, but I just mean in general, like he's probably like, one of the best if not the best filmmaker of our generation like why are there not these super awesome special edition like why do you have to get a bootleg of the kill bill cut uh like why why is it not more why isn't he more celebrated they're big, with they're big studio media? catalog so titles weird. they're big studio catalog titles titles they own the rights to those they, they don't give a fuck about the you know the special releases and stuff like i mean look i know who, but look you who's... see other filmmakers get these awesome editions and stuff it just feels like tarantino's films don't really get that no they never have really um, any good editions i would love to see like a grindhouse like an amazing edition where you know like i have them separately like i have the the double feature one with that that has the um you know the trailers in between and stuff you can watch as a grindhouse mode like how you saw it in the theater which are the shorter mm-hmm. versions of the movies and then i have them individually which is the full length director's cut which i actually like better because right. it's just especially death proof is so much more to death proof but um but it wouldn't be nice to have a box set with like features and a whole pile of shit. like you could really do a lot with his films like they're very marketable we were talking about this i have the answer first of all i, I think i may have been wrong i might have spoke out of turn about inglorious bad i looked it up on blue blu-ray.com and that's there is one of them i thought that was wrong I, I could be wrong but it came out in 09 but we were talking about this a few episodes ago on, on exploding heads and christian said he goes i think what they're planning to do because he always said he's going to do 10 movies after his 10th movie comes out they're going to probably come out with a fucking quentin box set of his whole fucking library of 10 movies and that's when they'll come out with all the bells and whistles and do everything. Well, I hope right. they do. Just yeah. a theory, but we were talking about the same thing. So maybe that's what they're doing. Well, it's, it's well, very weird because I, I think like one of the problems too is like they were owned, most of his films were done with the Weinstein company mm-hmm. and obviously that doesn't exist anymore. Um, so I'm not sure where the rights went to everything, but I also... Well, do somebody has the rights. It doesn't really matter, but somebody definitely... I mean, that's right. a vast but catalog. I don't know if they're like it's worth a lot of money. Now. I don't yeah. know if like one studio has them now. <laughs> right, But right. Uh, also, they, they just never really put... The Weinstein Company never really did great additions no, to they begin didn't care. with. No, they didn't care about that shit. No. Right. Nah, they were too busy raping women. Well, right. one, of <laughs> well one of them at one least. Of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Why put out special editions when you could just rape? I mean, I would love a 4K box set of tarantino's work i mean there's so much right to do with it too and like i don't know i'm sure you guys have listened to tarantino talk but i can listen to that dude yeah. talk forever like i can oh. dude i he is one of the most interesting people to listen to there's talk. been like late nights where i will google tarantino interviews and i love when he starts talking about like shit that is like very specific to himself like he's talking about like aussie films and then he'll just right. like break down all this shit and you're just like ah oh, dude and like 
and like I, I specifically was I knew that there was an interview where he was talking about Aussie films and it was like next to Ken and shit like that he always vouched for that film and stuff and I was just like, man, this is one of the reasons why I love fucking Aussie films because like he has that same passion that I do. Like, just hear him talk about all these type of films. I'm just like, oh great, man. But he he really does break down shit and like found those gems. Like he was the first person that was talking about Memories of Murder, you know, from years and years ago. What was his favorite? Oh yeah, that top yeah, yeah. twenty five movies of since when he started his career. So it was like 1991 right. or whatever it was with um, uh, Reservoir Dogs. Dogs. So from the time he started his career for the last twenty five years his top 25 films of uh, that era and memories of murder was one of them never seen it and then of course we have seen it since a couple times and it's like phenomenal but like that's the type of movies that he was finding before they even had releases yeah there there was so many interesting titles on that list like very wide range of different types of films um but it's awesome I, i love hearing him talking um, I had watched this video recently um, that a YouTuber did. It's like, dude, YouTube, some YouTube videos are getting so good, like certain yeah. ones, that they are like fucking doc. They're like feature-length documentaries that could play in a theater or oh, something. Yeah. Like, I watch them a lot. It's insane what people are doing. But there was this yeah. great three-part documentary on Tarantino's work, and it was phenomenal. It, like I, I watched like oh, all yeah. like three hours of it at work. And, um, you know, they took, like, all these clips from him from different years. Like, they went in chronological order of his whole career and, like, um, talked about uh, – there There was actually uh, a situation where – he was on, like, the Howard Stern show and he was talking about this. But um, when he had finished the Django, I believe, it was supposed to premiere at, like, this, this theater in um, uh, Hollywood, which was, like, the, like uh, 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 you know, it was, like, important to him. And, like, Disney had blocked it off for Star Wars or something. But he had already reserved the dates. But Disney, with their, like, power hand, you know, pushed him out. And he yeah, was, like, power flipping that shit. shit, dude. He was, like, flipping shit. And he's, like, this is such bullshit. And, it, yeah. and it's just, I, I love how unfiltered he is, too. Like, when an interviewer will start asking him, like, some dumb question. Like, what do you, like, do you think violence in movies causes violence in real life? And he gets all pissed off. And he's, like, I, I asked this, I answered this question 20 years ago. I, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? He's like, I I've been get that reaction though. Career. I get that reaction, man. Cause it gets super oh, irritating yeah. when you're like, okay, it's such a generic question. And you're like, bro, I've answered this but before. He's talked about that so many times in 20 years, you know? Yeah. But he's, he's a, I, I love his films. I love all of his films. Uh, and yeah. uh, I would love to see more, um, like uh, 4Ks, really. I mean, I, like I want 4K of Reservoir Dogs, like Pulp Fiction, like right. Kill Bill. Damn it, um, it it's ridiculous. Like oh, I, I want to see these shit, shits on 4K. Um, but it, it, I, I love Tarantino's work, dude. I, I, I'm very curious to see what his last film is. I disagree with his mentality of wanting to quit. He's not going but to. I don't. I hope he does. I hope he. As much as I love everything, I love when somebody. Does says they're gonna stop at a certain time and just retires and then actually sticks to their fucking guns because nobody does. No, you know the reason for wanting to quit, right? Musicians, anybody, just for someone to sit back and be the guy. I'm gonna start here and I'm gonna end here. I'm gonna have ten feature lengths and then I'm done. I think it's possible because how long he's taking to do it. And I really think it's possible too. Produce and write still. He'll do. I just think that some people like. If you look at Quentin Tarantino, hear him talk, his whole existence is cinema. Like, yeah. what is he without that? You know what I mean? And I feel like when people um, – it's the same thing like with like Eminem. 
like the dude's never gonna quit he's gonna die rapping you know what i mean because mm-hmm. that's what he did that's like all he cares about so i i think even if quentin tries to step away it's gonna pull him back in because that's what he does but he might he might quit he his reason is that he doesn't want to go past his prime but my like my response to that is like dude you're fucking quentin tarantino bro like why do you think that you have a a, a past your prime everybody like, does but the thing uh, is with tarantino that's and falling off that even scorsese can't do anything like he used to everybody no. knows it See, Tarantino, Tarantino's been on this like high plane for so long. I feel like he's never really faltered too too bad um, or too far at all. At all, you know. And, right. and it is it is a hard thing to do. I mean, he's been making movies for thirty years. You know, he's been pretty much on top of his game and stuff. I mean, it, it could be an idea thing too. But he has this mentality of is like, why keep making movies just to stay relevant when you could make high quality movies? You know, and make less right. of well, them. It's he, not. It's it's quality over. Movies. It is Everything quality is over quantity. Planned out hundred percent. It's like, quality he over quantity. Is so detailed in his filmmaking. You know mm-hmm. what I mean. And that's why his films are so good. Well, you look at. Um, but I think but it like, takes a lot out of him each time. Uh, it, I I agree. Well, it's also his mentality yeah. when he when he directs <clears throat> movies though too because he's such a perfectionist. Like <clears throat> if if you've ever heard stories about people that have acted on Quentin Tarantino movies, he doesn't allow people to like ad lib and and you know kind of interpret the you know, the dialogue and stuff. When Tarantino writes dialogue for you, you have to say it word for word. He's not like one of those directors where it's just kind of like, okay, here's your lines. Do it how you want to. If you feel like a word here and there is not how it, you know, interpret it. He's not like that, man. People are like, fuck man. Like you have to say it line for line. This is where he has let people change stuff, but it's usually like very, like they have to like come with like a good argument. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I remember Sam Jackson in Pulp Fiction actually changed uh, some of that that stuff, um, like his big speech. Right. Um, but you know, it, he must have came with some good stuff, you know. Um, but Tarantino, I just like I know he was talking about his last film being this Star Trek sequel. Like, I do not want that. Please no. Like, make another I want one. Kill if Bill that's Three. Be- I, I know, film. right? I would love a Kill Bill. Thing. No, I want the yeah, horror movie. He's gonna do it. I want the horror film. Yep. I want to see what so he's gonna do because he's not gonna make a straight up fucking heart. It's gonna be. It's gonna incorporate multiple genres. It's gonna be totally different, mm-hmm. and I think it would be very unique because he hasn't done anything like that. I mean, he's been doing shit differently for so long. Why not try and attempt this? I think that's where he should go. I would also like to see if he's gonna quit filmmaking. Maybe he could go into acting more because he's really good. Like uh, he he does a good job in everything I've seen him in, and I mean and he's from good dust from Dust Till Dawn. Amazing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's great. But you know like, why? Is, but you know why role. he's good in that role though, man? Because he wrote his own dialogue, and he wasn't directing himself. It was Rodriguez, right, and Rodriguez right. is like one of those directors is like, well, Quentin, do what the fuck you want to do. So he just well, let he him. He let, was he let, not going to play let that. Tarantino part. do what he wanted to do in that role. So it's like you know. Yeah. Did it, did, did it right. Well, the thing is, he can't play a normal person. He has to be typecast as a fucking zany individual. It, that's what he he got to be eccentric. Yeah, he has to. So be he has to play himself good, in every movie. Then. Right. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> you know, but I'm cool that's with just that. it. I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah, but he would end up becoming a a character. I don't think he'd want to do that too many times. Yeah. True. I don't know. What do I know? What he thinks? I just. Right. It's going to be interesting. I hope he stops at ten and then just writes. Why not write? Why not have guys? Yeah. He, he his yeah, writing I mean, is great. I know, yeah, why not have other people great. adapt mm-hmm. his writing? 
that, that's fine with me. Stephen King just writes people adapt his stuff, some better than others, but but still, uh, right. Well, he, he tried he tried the directing thing one time and it didn't yes, really did. <laughs> it didn't really work out so well. He, he he I think he still hates that movie, but um I, I personally yeah, don't. Actually, I, I, I love Maximum Overdrive. That he apologized for Maximum Overdrive recently. <laughs> you know, he makes it sound like it, it must have been just the experience that he had while doing that. Because, like, when you theoretically oh, look at that movie, coat. it's not even that bad. Or, it, it's not that bad of a movie. It really isn't. People like shit I on like that it. because Stephen King like doesn't like the movie and stuff, and I get that. But at the same time, when you break it down, it's not actually a horrible movie at all. It's actually quite fucking entertaining. First of all, it's got Emilio West of, isn't it? You're already winning. You're Charlie Sheen in that right. shit already with Emilio. You're winning. So, well, I, I don't know, man. And the soundtrack it, is like, awesome. I feel like he ACDC, picked come the on. wrong. He picked the wrong film to do first. Because at that time, right? Fucking stupid idea. The whole idea of Maximum Overdrive is so stupid, but it works so well because it's so dumb, right? It's just like the reason why everything is coming alive is just like it's it's doesn't really give you a lot of backstory, and it's just like this is what's happening. But it's just a comet passing. Yeah, that's all it is. Sci-fi movie. Somehow, (laughs) re it's like animated. I shouldn't even say reanimated. Animates like all this electronics, and it's, it's. I like the idea. And then it just stops when the comet passes. (laughs) Alien forces, man. It's got to be alien forces. I like it. Yeah, I I think it's it's, it's okay. I don't like the movie, but I like the the, the first. The trailer's hilarious because it's got Stephen King in the trailer. He's like, like, for years, people have been doing my work. He's like, well, if you want to do it right, Right. do it yourself. Right. (laughs) Right. And it's so ridiculous. I love that. That's so good. That's so good. Man, but you're so right about like YouTube videos being so well done now. Like the production value on wow. on yeah, certain channels insane. now is like ridiculous. Like I, I'm sub I'm sub to this one guy's channel. I can't remember what his channel's called, but he only makes videos about MF Doom. And the way he breaks down things, they're like short documentaries every time. And like, yeah, it feels like you're watching a thirty for thirty or something. It like, does, it does, man. And, and it's so fucking because he spends <laughs> like his videos are so far in between because he researches and edits and he writes all the like it's all scripted. It's really, really well done. I'm like, bro, like I'll shoot a video and just be like, put an intro on the front and fucking you know and fade out the end. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, like these, uh, the, especially the people that are doing like these mini docs. The, the talent level is just insane. Like I mm-hmm. watched one on Scorsese the other day too. That was amazing. Actually, it was the same guy that did the Tarantino one. But yeah, like you you'll find these channels and you'll just be like, and like that channel only had like ten thousand subs or like twenty thousand subs or something. Like this is channel's got to blow up eventually because right. like the amount of like I, the, like these guys are doing some amazing work on yeah. YouTube. It's insane. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm still old school. I'm still making videos very similar to how I did when I started. But yeah, that's well, just me. That's I just mean, my personality, man. I'm like, whatever. These guys are like most likely like filmmakers. Oh, that absolutely. Are, like, I mean, the thing is, though, like, found, if I wanted, a- if I wanted to make a video like a little bit more high production, I probably could. It just takes the time. It really does just take the yeah. time. Like, I mean, Boy, I've, I you know, I've, I've spent I mean, hours and hours and hours editing marathons and and doing all that type of shit. Like, I mean, you could take it one step further and then you know go from there too. But Right. You know, I mean, it, like, what's the point, man? What's like, what's the point? Right. Like, I mean, I, I don't need to get too fancy. And that's one thing sometimes in videos, like I like when it's documentary style and people go over the top and kind of really have a nice, um, you know, a visual and, and it's really high production. I like that. But when you're like watching certain videos and they're like overproduced, you're like, what are you doing this for? I don't right. get it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, I'm not going to overproduce my update and, like, insert all this <laughs> shit and, like, have all this crazy graphics and shit. I'm like, bro, um, I, you know, I got Candyman fucking Day of the Dead 3 here. <laughs> Day of the Dead. Uh, you know, like, fucking all this type of graphics and shit. Fuck that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I got, I got to say, man, I got to say, like, coming into doing the show today, man, I'm super, super fucking nervous. Not about doing the show. I, I don't really get nervous. I don't know if you guys ever get like, you know, before you record and stuff. Do you ever get Just like, because the Leafs game? Yeah, dude, I've been freaking out all weekend. <laughs> I've been freaking out all weekend, dude. So we've been super busy this whole weekend. We're doing a bunch of shit around the house. We just had a lot of things going on. It's kind of like, you know, like spring, but it's just, we're busy, busy. So it was nice because it was keeping my mind off the Leafs playing tonight. As you guys know, the Leafs have lost the last six years in a row in the first round. And in, in, in brutal fashion. In some of those in rounds, we were heartbreaking fashion. Uh, we lost game seven up three goals in the third period. We lost to the Montreal last year up three games to one. Like there's been these years where it's just like mind blowing. Yeah, the Leafs has had a They're like rough, a Buffalo team now. Oh, <laughs> dude. But I mean, this year is interesting because the Leafs you are, get out of the are legit round, good, but you know, it sucks because the way they structure the playoffs now, it's like, it's not done by rankings and you know, we should be playing someone that's not as good as the Stanley Cup champions of the last two years for fuck's sakes. Get yeah, to play you Tampa. Got a, you got a rough first draw, man. Yeah. But the thing is, I mean, Tampa Bay is not as good as they were the last couple of years, but I still fear Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the NHL and he's going to win you games. Even if, you know, even right. if, you know, Tampa Bay scores two goals, that might be enough. You know what I'm saying? It's like right you're on. facing the Leafs who scored more, no nobody scores more goals in the NHL than the Leafs, and but when you but goaltending wins you series and cups, and that's why Vasilevsky has done in the last couple of years. I'm like, fuck, are you serious, dude? This could again be detrimental to the Leafs' health. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, it's very weird how they do the the playoffs because it's, it's, it's split in the Atlantic and the Metropolitan. They're actually the talking East. about going back to the ranking system for next year because so many analysts have been complaining about these first rounds. Like, you have Toronto and Tampa Bay playing in the first round. That should that could be a conference final, but it's not. Right. It's stupid. Right. Right. Yeah, so, it is weird how they do it with like because like they do like the two versus three seed, but they're they're they should just have it one through eight ranked and one plays eight, and you know two plays seven. Yeah, that's the way they and used to do it. it's supposed to be. That's the way they right. used to do it. But they don't yeah. they don't combine the uh, the Atlantic and the Metropolitan in the East, which is annoying. But yeah. the problem is, is like sometimes you have the wild cards. There'll be two from the Atlantic or something. It's just, it's, it's very messy. It does make for some amazing first round games though, because you have like these rivalries, like in the first round, like, like we got Rangers again. And I don't, I don't know. I, I I was like very confident on the penguins, like a couple months ago when we were winning like 18 games in a row and shit. And then like now it's just been, it's been rough, but I'm hoping playoffs are a different breed too. Oh, it's it's back to ground zero, man. It doesn't even yeah, matter at this yep. point what happened in the season. Matthew scored sixty goals. Doesn't matter. You know, I mean, nope. it, it nothing nope. matters right now, man. And that's the way I look at it too. And I'm like, you know, it's going to come down to goaltending, which is going to is our biggest Always. issue. We, we cannot. We, we score a lot of goals. Face it, that put it that way. But it's the goaltending, and you know, Campbell hasn't been 100 percent since the All Star break. He's been hurt a couple times, and our backup. He's you know he's played like ten games in NHL. Like it's crazy, right? Right. Like we, our goaltending situation is the, is the scariest thing for us right now because we're gonna have to split time with, between them two because they both of them just can't play every single night. It's 
fucking crazy, dude. So if we're not scoring five goals a game, I'm like, I'm be a little bit worried here, man. <laughs> like yeah, playoffs, out. man. It, ride the hot goalie. That's what playoffs are every fucking year. Yeah, ride the hot. And, and we don't have one right now. Um, Tristan Jari isn't even playing. Uh, well, right a lot away. of goalies are fucking like actually Anderson from um, Carolina. He's out. Carolina finished third overall. Leafs were fourth. Anderson's fucking hurt. He's not even actually. They've lost both their goalies. Their one and twos are gone for the playoffs. That's fucking yeah, that's, crazy. That's to wow. score like that's 118 a point. points in a season where I think at least that 117 and not even have your goalies playing? Fuck. I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if, if Boston uh, wins that. Oh, Boston is a playoff team, man. They're just built like one. The scariest team Indeed. in the NH- the scariest team in the NHL right now is the Flames, though, from the from the Western Conference, man. That team is built to win. They're a total playoff team. They got the goaltending, they have the scoring, they have the grit. Fuck, man. They're going to be tough. They are going to be yeah, I'm tough. Never, I'm never super keen. I never really follow the West too closely, so I don't know a lot of West stuff. Well, just put it this See, way. See, this is what I'm thinking. The West. Moods, I've got to ask you this. I'm th- you're on the West, mm-hmm. and I notice that all your teams are on the East Coast. Unless, wait, who's your basketball team? Toronto. The Raptors. So how about now? Wait a minute. So you're on the West, and all your guys are on the East Coast. Yeah, is it just a conscious choice, or just it just so happened to be you gravitated towards these teams? That's just I've always wondered. I became a Leafs fan in the '80s. I have no idea. Well, the reason why I became a Leafs fan is because my uncle was a huge Leafs fan, and okay. not even thinking about ge- not not even thinking about geographics at all. And um, right, yeah. But you got to remember, like when I became a Leafs fan, probably. In, you know, 87, whatever it was, I was seven. The Canucks in the, in the eighties were like the worst team ever. They were legitimately <laughs> the worst franchise in the NHL. So, bad. Yeah. so anyways, I gravitated towards them. And then, um, baseball, it was like, it, we only had two baseball teams in Canada, which was the, True, Expos. the Expos and the fucking Jays. Right. right. And I just grad- gravitated <laughs> yeah. towards the Jays cause they were always on TV. We always got the feeds over here for the Jays and stuff. So I became a huge George Bell fan back in like the, in the eighties. Oh wow. Right. Yeah. And, and so like, I, I've been a Jays fan my entire life. And then it's funny because people ask me how I became a Raptors fan because I lived in Vancouver when the Grizzlies actually right. were there. And I remember going to the very first Grizzlies game I ever went to actually was against the Lakers. And I got to see Shaq and Kobe play, which was really nice. cool. Wow. And yeah, so that was kind of a cool memory. And, uh, but I was a Raptors fan. <laughs> it was weird. Being, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't passing up the ticket. The tickets were cheap, dude. Like you could go to games for 10 bucks, like, and get decent. It was cheap, man. Fucking crazy cheap. So even as a starving student, I could, you know, even afford that. But yeah, I was a Raptors fan. Fucking and then, Vince Carter. Remember that shit? And the Bills. The, <laughs> the Bills. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, the, and the, Bills. the Bills. I became a fan of the Bills because my best friend who's passed away now, he was oddly enough a 49ers fan, but loved the Bills though too. And his older brother was a huge Bills fan. So we used to sit around his brother. We'd, we'd always get these games and somehow get them on satellite. If they weren't playing, we'd, we'd somehow be able to watch the games. And then it just meant a lot to me. We're like, we're watching the Bills game. And then, and that was again in the late eighties. And then they went on that four Super Bowl loss run, which was devastating as shit. <laughs> but it may have been yeah. devastating, but still like at each one, you didn't know they were going to lose. No. So it was, pretty amazing run there too (laughs) it was exciting yeah but disappointing at the same time so how about this okay do you prefer east coast rap you must because you're old school like me um yeah it's funny because i grew up 
listening to mostly East Coast because Public Enemy got me into hip hop in '88, and of course nice. New York group. <laughs> but and it, it just flourished from there. Like I was listening to you know everything from Public Enemy to didn't matter EPMD. It, it really did anything from the East Word. Coast kind of thing. Yeah, right? I know. I mean, the West Coast stuff right. was was starting to pop at that time in '88 because NWA obviously was breaking. I was straight out of Compton. It was making huge moves. Yep. And but I gravitated towards. Any, there was, I mean, obviously the East Coast was a big thing, but I wasn't really hugely into gangster music per se. I loved Ice Cube. I love, I love the Ghetto Boys. I love Scarf. I still listen to that stuff. But I, on the West Coast tip, I became a huge, um, like Souls of Mischief fan and Dell. Like I love oh, the higher, I love nice. the higher crew, which was like more East Coast oriented West Coast music. Right? It was, it was all mm-hmm. conscious. It was all stuff like that and. But, you know, Tribe Called Quest and, and Native Tongues is all my favorite shit. Oh. Like, Tribe's my favorite group. De La yes. Soul, Jungle Brothers, like all that type of stuff is what awesome. I listened to growing up. Um, and then that's why I became a fan of like, and I always used to call hieroglyphics like the West Coast Native Tongues because that's what it was. It was very, very similar, yeah. right? And, you know, Black Alicious and like all those, all those kind of conscious groups from there. But, you know, it's not to say like I didn't, it's not like I didn't listen to West Coast. Like I loved MC8. I loved DJ Quick. Well, like, sure. I, I love all that stuff, but. East Coast short, is what, yeah. I, I oh, too short iced tea, like all that type of stuff, man. I was a right. huge, huge Ghetto Boys fan though. Like I love to this oh, day, yeah. Scarface, Willie D, rest in peace to Bushwick Bill. Like the the, the whole rap a lot movement in the early '90s was huge. Like did they just had such a vast majority like of artists, man? Because they had some that were from the West Coast that were on rap a lot, which was a Southern label, and so you kind of got this mm-hmm. the mixed bag of like Seagram, who was from Oakland, who got killed in what '95, '96, and. Oh, I don't know, man. It was just, it's everywhere. But like now, I mean, I, it's just really everything, you know? I mean, I mostly listen to the stuff I grew up listening to on a daily basis, which is sure, like, sure, no. so I bust everything up, but I, but I figured East coast just because I came up East coast and they were first and it didn't really like the West coast came later, but I know that you're old school. I just found it interesting. You're from the West coast mm-hmm. and you have the teams on the East coast and I just, almost knew that you were going to say that you know you know came up on the east coast rap first and everything else and, yeah oh it's pretty wild it, it, i mean it was, cool. like yeah i mean it was it was public enemy it was boogie down productions you know oh, krs one and it, it was yeah. all that it was run dmc nice it was shit. it was houdini yep. you know it was grandmaster flash i think that was all the type of things that meant the entire world to me man i was probably the only mm-hmm. kid ever that was bumping jimmy spicer you know like who the fuck is jimmy spicer <laughs> I, you know it's like yeah, it's just it's crazy when you really think about it. But yeah, it is true. It's kind of funny, like you know, East Coast mm-hmm. everything in for a West Coast cat. And you know, it's yeah. funny because like I support Vancouver hip hop like crazy, but most Vancouver hip hop sounds very, very East Coast, like the Rascals and all that type of stuff, and like early Swollen Members and and all that type of stuff is very East Coast influence. It doesn't have any of that like West Coast gangster wine or it's it's totally different, right? But yeah, pretty interesting. What about this? I don't know if you're into this stuff at all, but this is very East Coast. Were you into like the, because uh, I was, but were you into like the New York uh, hardcore music, like the New York punk straight edge hardcore stuff? Because it was very, it was very New York. It was the, all the, all these bands came out at the same time and, and it was a scene. And I know you listen to a lot of music like I do. Oh, man. I don't know into that scene at all, but I'm just. Out oh, of curiosity, dude! dude some, some of the New York hardcore punk music was absolutely phenomenal. That shit still yeah. bangs, man! Like it's fucking insane, dude. I have a few albums still. Um, 
but uh you know it's it's honestly it's been a while since i've actually really kind of checked it out um oh what's the band i'm thinking of right now i'm totally forgetting their name i'm so stupid oh man were they straight edge Oh, it would have been early two thousands. Okay, I gotta, I gotta try and. Oh no, I'm out by that time. Okay, all right. Maybe it was early that time. Early two thousands, shit. Oh fuck, man. What? I'm, I'm still fucking late eighties, early nineties. No, no, no. Yeah, for sure, for um, sure, for sure. But I'm trying to think of this one yeah. band's name, and I can't fucking think of a man. Oh, dude, my brain is not working right now. Uh... Yeah, I was just curious because it's, it's so funny about the East Coast, but you know. East Coast is where it's at when it comes to entertainment. I've always been, you know, I've always said that. Not because I live here, because I'm not a homer. Believe it. I'm not. I fucking prefer the weather on the West Coast and and, and yeah. the people to a certain degree, to a certain degree. But yeah, I mean, yeah, the, <laughs> maybe that, maybe that's one thing because like where I live in BC, I live in Central BC, which is the weather is very similar to like a like a New York type weather, right? where I go eight hours south of here and then it's just California. Like it's just pure 110 degrees all fucking summer, right? Like it's BC is the most bizarre place in the world because we have like every climate right next to each other. It literally is the only place in the world like that. Like we have a rainforest and we have a desert and then we get, you know, you go six hours here and then you get fucking four feet of snow. It's really bizarre. (laughs) It's really, really bizarre. But like I've lived in those climates, though, like down south and having 110 degree weather for, you know, four months. Like it never changes. It's so fucking hot. It's just it's, Fuck, it's draw. It's this dead desert fucking <laughs> Vegas. Like burn your ass off heat. We're up here. I'll when take it, it over the cold. Yeah, when I'll it gets like it. ninety degrees where I am, it is fucking. Oh. It's a weird hot. It's like way different. It's like it almost feels. It just it's hard to explain. You have to live through it, kind of. But fucking horrible here because of the humidity yeah and that that's what the yeah. one thing i don't get up here we're down in vancouver you will read off the water and stuff you get that humidity and shit but up here it's like really really dry though too but then you get into just off vancouver into the pentic and Kelowna area kind of thing and it's just it's vegas it's just desert right 110 degree weather so and J- <laughs> jp hates when when weather gets bright who the fuck is talking about the fucking I, I prefer um cold weather but i hate snow yeah oh I'm fuck a, yeah i'm not a fucking fuck snow. yeah you I, had just, snowed here last week i'm just so happy fuck. it doesn't it snow ends. here like it used to growing up like we don't get those eight feet to ten feet of snow every year in fact we barely get snow much it'll snow a couple dump it dumps it'll stick around the winter but we get like two weeks of cold weather and i mean really you could take your winters off in february if you wanted to you know kind of thing it's not that big of a deal but Man. um but uh, that's all I can say. Yeah, Andy, weather. I guess you know what, man. I mean, we get to the reviews. We might as well get to the reviews. I mean, we're pushing. I think we're about fifty, fifty-five minutes. You know, that's pretty much what I expected that to go to. So, yeah, this yeah, is I don't this think. is uh, a Patreon show from I think our maybe our last one. Uh, at least for like, if I guess if we get a franchise or something in the future. Right. But it's the last one we have um, on the docks here. Uh, this was Sam Edwards. This was uh, uh, his pick. So actually, speaking of nice. the whole franchise thing on the Patreon, you need to update that because I think half of them that are listed, <laughs> we've actually done. We've done, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I will do that. I, I forgot about that. But um, actually, somebody had recently um, messaged us asking us if we would do something. I forget what it was. 
Um, I'll get back to you on that in a second. I have it in my messages. Okay. All um, right. Well, while you ponder what's going on there uh, on your phone, we are going to end the intro here, and we'll be back with you guys in a moment to talk about some Karloff Lugosi films. Yeah. All right. Check you guys then. Nice. Yo, who this? Yo, Moods, it's your boy, the ill-mented funky child, calling you to remind you that the featured reviews on this episode contain spoilers. Aw, yeah, man, that's right, brother. Thanks for the heads up, playa. Now go back to being an unproductive asshole. Fuck you. I tell your listeners to stop being so dumb, silly, sensitive. Yeah. And now, our feature presentation. All right, so getting into the featured reviews here on episode 226 with the homeboy Dave Z in JP, and I be the M-double-O-D to the Z. Okay, enough with the rhyming. I'm just joking. Um, but yeah, again, this is a Patreon pick uh, coming from the homeboy Sam UL Edwards. He has been a very prolific uh, Patreoner over the years. I believe he's picked many, many shows. Uh, but he yep. wanted to take it all the way back to the golden age of uh, of horror films, specifically the 30s, pretty much. There's one film here from 1940, but we're going to take it back to the Universal years um, with some uh, Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi, like golden age shit right here. First film up from 1934 is The Black Cat. Yes. Quick little synopsis. So these were all first time watches for me. What me about? Too. I assume Moods, you watched all four of these before. No, I actually had never seen uh, the Invisible Ray. I've seen the Black Cat many times and the Raven. Uh, Black Friday was a first time watch when this box set came out, and I neglected to watch the Invisible Ray until this show. Okay. Um, and I don't know why. I, I just watched the other three. And I just kind of skipped over the Invisible Ray. And then, yeah, that was the first time watching me. So, but yeah, no, I've seen the Black Cat many times. Um, so a quick little synopsis on the Black Cat, which says Edgar Allan Poe's The Black Cat. <laughs> uh, American honeymooners in Hungary become trapped in a home of a Satan worshipping priest when the bride is taken there for medical help following a road incident. He's not technically a priest, is he? He's more of a... Um, he's an architect, isn't he? Isn't that actually what his profession is? Right. But he acts as a priest when everybody's coming in at the end, and he's like the head of the table type thing. He's right. like the leader of it, right? I guess that kind of makes sense. You know sense. this is the first movie to do this? To, to use Satanism as a cult? It, okay, it was so, never done? Okay, so I have, really? that, I have that in my notes, and I was yeah. wondering about that too, because 1934 seemed like a very early period for showcasing, you know, satanic cults and uh, ritual sacrifices in a film. I mean, really, when was that, when was that being shown before? And I, I, I was definitely wondering that. It's kind of interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure. so it does make sense. But yeah, no, he's like, I think by trade in the film, they, they label him as an architect. Um, but yeah, he's definitely a priest of the the satanic variety. <laughs> so, 
Um, but very, very interesting premise. So I will say, you know, um, this adaptation isn't really an, it, this movie is, is just basically name only. It's based off of Edgar Allan Poe's short story, The Black Cat, name only. The narrative here right. has nothing to do with Poe's story at all. There is a black cat. In the well, movie, there's though, technically so two there's black that. cats. There's technically right. two black cats because he kills <clears throat> the first one. Then he just randomly just right. picks up another one. Right. <laughs> Which is totally unexplained in itself, too. It's like the weirdest thing. I always thought that was so funny because because when Bella goes, he kills the cat. It's just like, okay, well, he killed my cat. He didn't even care. What is it? It's like he doesn't even give a shit. It's like, it's so weird, man. It's such a strange premise. but. I didn't think he killed him until later. I was like, okay. I thought maybe he just threw – because number one, I couldn't tell what he threw. I rewound it three times, and I couldn't tell what those things were. He picked the thing off off the table, and he threw it at the cat, and the cat makes a noise. I'm like, well, maybe he didn't kill him because, number one, I don't know what he threw. Number two, (laughs) the guy didn't react like he killed him. I just thought maybe he threw something at him, and he ran away. But apparently he killed him. That's the thing thing when when you're watching a lot of these Golden Age films. Like, they're they're very short. They're very – choppy and editing and stuff and they leave out a lot of like even reactions or even the end result of deaths and stuff like that so you have to really kind of pay attention because you can easily miss those things right yeah. like I, I remember i always i always used to took away from this take away from this film the fact that like um dude ends up getting skinned and shit and i'm just like that's fucking crazy yeah it, it actually speaking it's implied of which, but they don't was, show um, it right it's like fuck dude like they talk right? about this in 1934 and i'm like that is actually really crazy yeah <laughs> yeah this this was um one of the last pre-code films uh so this was before like the the basically the ratings board came in right um which i believe uh started in 1935 or ish um but yeah so you could kind of do whatever you wanted I mean, I'm sure there was still like people weren't willing to do like so much stuff just because like the were back then. I mean, you're not going to show like a bunch of nudity and stuff back mm-hmm. then, but you could still like have like insinuated skinned alive stuff, which is pretty crazy. Honestly, it's actually quite disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely not graphic. Yeah. Actually the, the whole nudity thing. I, I know I looked into this one time and I think, like nudity wasn't really being shown in like these type of films until I think the late fifties, I think is when it first made its appearance or something like that. So like you think, you know, for this type of stuff, like that seems pretty early for implying skinning and satanic stuff. I, I just, I just think this movie is kind of ahead of its time and it's interesting for universal for to do something like this with these characters. Like I, I just think it's a really interesting script. Um, yeah, you know, like it's just so crazy because they're like, there was nothing like this. This must have really kind of blown people's socks off. Like, we got a satanic cult, we've got murdering of animals, which actually, in Invisible Ray, there's a dog gets killed in that movie too. So it's kind of funny. Um, but uh, yeah, there's just so many elements in this movie that are quite shocking for even even when you watch it to you know from today's standards and stuff like that um mm. this is the type of movie that would be very interesting you take this exact narrative and you remake it in today's world like you could do a lot with it man it could be very sadistic right. very gory like there's a lot of potential here to have like a film that would be like holy shit man that's pretty crazy um to me it wouldn't really have the same effect though because like you can't like when you like, there's something about Karloff and Lugosi on screen that's so fucking powerful. It doesn't even matter how bad the narrative is, 
or what's going on. <laughs> they're so effective in their roles all the time that you just you buy into these characters. Um, mm. It's so crazy too with these four films when you break it down. Like they they play doctors in like every movie. One of them is he is a doctor <laughs> in every film. It's so yeah, weird. It, it was the era of the mad scientist and shit too. You know, you had a lot of you had a lot of doctors and scientists and yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, this was actually the first of uh, eight films that these two starred in together. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that that they were in all those films together. That's yeah, crazy. There's a couple of movies I have ha- haven't actually seen. I've seen I think five of the eight movies <clears throat> done together, and a couple of them I don't even know what they are. I'm not even sure if they're even horror films to be honest, but. Um. Yeah. Well, this works the best in that respect because you—they are really opposing each other straight up for the entire movie. I mean, they even go as far mm-hmm. as to have the chess match in the during the thing, and and the whole movie itself is a chess match between these two. I see and honestly, way. like their careers were kind of a chess match too. Right. 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 Like they they so, had sort of a friendly rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have said that they had like disdain for each other, but it, like, it's been disproved. It's been disproved. They, yeah, they, it's they, kind of been disproved. Yeah, but like a lot of people still like go like you know subconsciously they didn't really care for each other, but it, it's like you know what I mean. But um, there's actually a nice special feature on uh, all four of these films that uh, goes through. It's like a four part history of uh, Karloff and Lugosi together. Um, and it sort of talks about, um, you know, um, like how one, like Karloff really became pretty successful in his career and Lugosi's career kind of plummeted a little bit. Um, so there's that. And then also it's funny. It's so funny to listen back to like, hear them talk about stuff. Like, I think it was when the Raven was being produced, like Karloff was getting all these letters, like, like how could you want to scare people like that is sickening and stuff like that and like you know right. just like just these crazy people who are like don't under didn't understand like the idea of a horror film this was the highest grossing film for universal at the box office this year too yeah. um so it like obviously there was an interest in horror but like there was still a lot of crazy people out there who like just thought it was like evil and didn't want anything to do with it and like would actively go out to shame these actors who were in these films yeah and this See, one the thing about horror movies here th- this is what i'm noticing as i'm watching these movies and i i've made my rounds with the universal classics not a lot not a lot i'm not going to sit here and profess to say i've seen a lot but i have seen my share of the early the early ones of all of them the major monsters and, and, and bride and a couple of the sequels and stuff so i've seen them they haven't been my cup of tea but i've tried to you know stretch out more but i noticed this about these movies these movies are made the exact same way as other movies are made in the time period where the dialogue is good, the acting is good, the way it's shot is good. They're not. There's no difference between a horror movie and a drama, except the narrative. Right. Where in the future, right. it's complete. Like horror movies now, compared to other movies, are different. You know, different decades. It's even more radically different. But here in the 30s, I don't see people. Com- I don't understand the complaint of people because they're well-made <laughs> movies with good actors. It's, it's yeah. It's you know not I mean? like. It's not like the era where in the eighties where horror was considered low budget <laughs> right. and like crap. Like these were still like 
decently produced. Yeah, movies these were with, A-list like, films. Budgets. These were yeah. A-list yeah. films. I mean, <laughs> Boris Karloff and 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 the Gosi were considered, you know, the biggest stars of the time and stuff. And and they were making these movies like they were. It didn't it, horror didn't have that stigma as being like a lesser class type genre film. It wasn't even really. It was just it was just a horror film. Also, this was in a time period where studios contracted actors to only do films for them for like eight pictures or something. You know what I mean? So this was during that period where these two were contracted by Universal to do a certain amount of films for Universal, which is, uh, I guess, the classic Hollywood era, right? Like where you had these where it was they would make stars out of people. You know what I mean? It was it was much bigger, like the studio made a star. Um much yeah. bigger deal back then where like now it's like acting anything you know um interesting time period that i've always fascinated with and and honestly enjoying learning more about right right yeah well th- th- this era is really interesting and important to film in general because boris karloff is one of the f- major players in creating the uh the union for for actors and stuff right because I mean, it was I a very know that. it was a very big thing because Boris realized that you know the actors were being abused and they were working too much for less pay, blah blah blah, and so he went out on a stance and you know and, and kind of helped create that whole um, union for the actors and stuff because he just wanted to be everything wanted to be fair and stuff, but he was taking a big chance in his career because if it hadn't worked out, he would have never worked again, kind of thing, right? But fortunately for him, it worked out. And, you know, he doesn't get a lot of credit for it. You know, in some documentaries, people will talk about Karloff's, you know, um, input in creating that whole thing and and how he risked his entire career to make sure other people weren't suffering. And, you know, I wish you would get a little bit more credit for that because, you know, Karloff was really about the people. Like, people kind of saw him as this monster because... That's what people knew him as. They knew him literally as the monster. Like he played in these horror films and stuff. And it was hard for people right. to separate, you know, the, the real person from the villains that he played on screen, but he was really about the people and he was a very genuine person and really helped change Hollywood for the better. Because if it had never been changed, I mean, there was so many people that were just being stomped on and that was that he just couldn't handle that shit. So, um, but big on him and like, he didn't have to do that. He could have never had a career. He could have been blackballed right there. And he kind of was a little bit, you know, it did kind of, it changed his career, but he still had a career after that. Right. It's not like he fucking got blackballed to the point where, you know, he never did anything again, but, but it was, who would you say you like more out of the two? I'm a huge Karloff fan. I think his presence is just undeniable. Um, The thing is with Lugosi is that he didn't quite have the range that, Karloff did a little bit and he got miscast a lot in movies too and actually we'll, we'll get to one where he totally gets miscast in mm-hmm. um, and there's a story behind that too to why uh, he's I in that role I also prefer Karloff I think Karloff has more range like you said um, and also just like like I feel like Legosi's accent kind of holds him back a little bit too yeah. like not like just just in terms of range like the type of character you want to see him play, but like mm-hmm. Karloff, like there's something about him when you watch him and Lugosi has it too, but I just think Karloff has it more where you watch him and you could just see like the passion in it. You know what I mean? Just the, the raw talent, like just a natural talent. Right. Um, 
and I, I prefer Karloff. And he was like a total perfectionist too, man. Like I've heard stories about Karloff on sets where people start um, kind of ad-libbing and uh, just kind of doing their own dialogues and shit. And he'd be like, bro, <laughs> no, no, we're doing this he by the script. He said, bro. Yeah, he he was probably <laughs> most definitely saying bro, and in, in his in his English, like, in his English in his English uh, in his uh, <laughs> accent uh, with his lisp because Boris Karloff had quite a lisp, right? But uh, yeah, no, like he would get really frustrated with other actors when they started kind of doing their own thing on for the dialogue. Like, oh no, got to do it this way. It's like hilarious, man. But but uh, Dave, no. you you prefer uh, Karloff too. Well, here's the thing. I agree with you guys about Karloff and his range and everything. And, you know, if I had to choose, it would be Karloff. But I have to throw a little something extra out there. I don't think that anything Karloff did is as good or iconic as Lugosi's Dracula. Really? That, well, oh, you, I actually you, you watch Dracula. Well, if you watch Dracula 31, if mm. Lugosi isn't Dracula in that movie, it's not half the movie. His performance... Mm. The way he delivers the lines, his look and everything is just so iconic that to this day, people speak like that's Dracula. It's right. more of a impactful thing. I think Karloff is better. I agree with you guys. I, I am agreeing with Karloff. I'm picking him between the two. But I don't think Karloff has that one singular performance that is iconic as Lugosi and Dracula. That's you know, all. it's interesting because it may be that. But I think in in terms of like longevity, when it comes to Lugosi's Dracula versus Karloff's Frankenstein, I cannot ever look at a Frankenstein character. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're watching, you know, True. Karloff in Frankenstein 31 or if you're watching fucking Mary Shelley's Frankenstein 94, if you're watching some shitty fucking Jess Franco Frankenstein movie or whatever, I cannot help but see Karloff's face in every single Frankenstein where when I'm watching when I'm watching Dracula movies, the face changes so drastically because it literally doesn't have that makeup and stuff like the, the Frankenstein look is just so classic. So iconic with Karloff's face. And, uh, I don't know, man. I just, I, I just like, okay. So this might be a hot take. Well, it's not really a hot take because I'm not saying he's better. He's just more purse. I, I like him better, but Christopher Lee is my favorite Dracula. I love the hammer Dracula films. I'm a big fan. I just rewatched all seven of them. Or was there eight of them? Um, again, and just, I love Chris Lee as Dracula. Like he's just undeniably fucking terrorizing. His eyes just like terrorize me when I watch those movies. I love, he's great, man. The original Dracula. It's great. But I, if I had to pick and choose universal versus hammer, Lugosi versus Lee, I'm going with, with Lee every single time. It's, it's just my personal taste. I get that. But Lee had so many more at bats too. I mean, if you just saw one movie, let's just say they just made the first Dracula movie. You know what I mean? And there was no other sequels. And I, I've heard many people say, and I think he's great. I haven't seen them all, but I purposely went out and bought every fucking Blu-ray uh, of the Dracula hammer that, that he's in. And he plays Dracula. Mm-hmm. So I am a fan of it, too. Yeah. And I will agree also, the look of Frankenstein, Karloff, is fucking also iconic. Mm-hmm. The look, the bolts in the neck, the big forehead, the fucking everything. It, brilliant. I just, I was just thinking more of the, you know, the classic speaking. He, he has yeah, so I much, mean, you, you even so see like words. cartoons where they like, I am Dracula. I want to suck your blood. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
that came from him. You know? Yeah, but that's also but, but, but you also get you also get an audio there. You get a dialogue with Dracula versus Frankenstein. So if I'm just right. looking like right. pure look, you know, when I look at any Frankenstein, all I see is Karloff. So it's it's almost I, I, it's I, hard it's hard to compare because you're right though yeah. because when you hear Dracula, I want to suck your blood. You know, yeah, that's totally still. that's Bella Gosi's <laughs> take on Dracula, and that became iconic to the point where everybody imitates Lugosi. But it doesn't right. matter how you look at it through the hundred, almost hundred years of Frankenstein, the look of Frankenstein, it always looks like Karloff, man. It really does. I, I think at the end yeah, of the dude. day, they're both fucking pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just you know, know, really like Karloff. I, just, I agree with you guys. Karloff actually changes his look in movies too. Like, it's kind of funny, like how he has a very distinctive look. But if you look in certain movies, like even in Invisible Ray, like he's got that, even the hair just changes his look right, so yeah. drastically in the movie. Like, it's fucking crazy, man. Um, and Lugosi always hit his hair slicked back, looking like half Dracula. You know did. what I mean? He so all, he, yeah. It's like he was Dracula in every movie, but he wasn't wearing the fucking cape. You know right? <laughs> and he was just talking a little quicker because right. he talks so slow in Dracula. Yeah, right. But that's what I like about it. That's the delivery of the lines is it's iconic because he's he does so much with so little dialogue. Of course, Christopher Lee does too. He has such. He, he he doesn't have a lot of dialogue. I'm not, not telling you guys things you don't know. He doesn't have a lot of dialogue in all those Dracula movies, and he makes the most of that too with the looks and the his screen presence. You know. Well, so, I mean, in know, the in the first not, Dracula film, he like doesn't even talk. I don't think. Um, not much. And and that's it's the and that's the thing though too because like he always like they wanted to give him more dialogue in certain films. He's like, well, this is stupid. And he's like, Dracula doesn't. He's more of a presence. He doesn't need dialogue to fucking you know make an impression or you know, get the point across kind of thing. And I mean, some of the movies, they got a little bit, like, obviously there was writing a lot more dialogue in the, in the late sixties, early seventies ones and stuff. But I, I don't know. There's some about Chris Lee though, man. Cause he's really tall and he just, he's got those, he's got that perfect face for it and beady eyes. And I don't know. They just did. I think hammer did a good job with creating yeah. the longevity of the, of the Lee Dracula character. But you're right though. He did. He did play it a lot more. There was a lot more opportunity. There's a lot more, there's a lot more idea there's a wider spectrum to the to the Lee Dracula than he was, Lugosi. He could hold his craft, and he's also looking at Lugosi, maybe not for inspiration, but for comparison. When Lugosi did it, he had no one to draw any comparisons from. They right, was making this movie in the '30s. Here, go on the screen and say it like this. Oh. <laughs> it was it was right. it, it was the you know the adaptation of the book kind of thing. And here, I'm going to put my spin on it and stuff. And but you know when it comes when it comes down to it though too, I think the the other thing, like I know Christopher Lee from so many other movies too. He's a good actor. Like he's he's really oh, good yeah. at what he does in general. Like he has done so many crazy roles. Like I mean, if you look at okay, here's a great here's a polar opposite comparison, but like. Um, you take it. You take a look at Dracula versus the Fu Manchu movies. <laughs> like that's mm. fucking Chris Lee and the Fu Man. Like he plays an Asian. You would never see that today because it, by <clears throat> today's standards, it's completely racist. But like he plays a fucking Asian dude. Like it's just it's so polar opposite of what he's doing. But he's the Dunkirk. I mean, that was the time when they always used to have white people playing Asians. <laughs> <laughs> it always happened in those fucking movies, but but I'm just saying his range and like the way he could really kind of transform and stuff was quite compelling. Actually, Lee's a good actor, really and he's good. so great as a, as a as a heel in that role that he even in major franchises, even in Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, he plays characters that are like big bads that are kind of like Dracula in a way. Like the way he talks, he's always so classy with his mm-hmm. delivery stuff, and even those guys 
had to have been thinking about Dracula when they cast him in those movies, saying, yeah, he's fucking, he can deliver, he's got that booming voice, and right. let's put him in as, as one of our big bads in our fucking franchise. And he, he nailed it, in, in my opinion, in those ones, too. Mm-hmm. But that's Chris Lee. You know, you know what is a really interesting thing about the Black Cat that I noticed, and I was like, instantly went to, I don't know if they have it in the in the trivia, I'm not sure if it's written in there, I might have looked it up somewhere else, but I'm like watching the movie, you know, with the you know with an eye for reviewing the film and i'm like man the fucking music because generally a lot of these early 30 movies right up until like even up until about the early 40s the score would usually only play during the credits and the in the in the out credits right opening credits and the end credits and you'd have like music and stuff like that but in this movie they play the music and it changes throughout the whole film there's a score through the whole movie which was rare by 1934 to have oh, yeah. that right. score playing yeah. it, it's it's quite mm-hmm. prevalent in this like the music changes a lot there's there's scenes where it's just like really overpowering and stuff and i was like and i noticed it and i was like wow and i kind of get it did a quick little check on that they're like yeah this is like one of the first movies where it was actually ever used through like the whole thing and i was like fuck crazy <laughs> i totally got that so i thought that was kind of a unique it's wild thing. yeah it is kind I, of a I unique think thing the, i think the story to this one is that like it's such a short movie it's only 70 minutes um but the story is actually kind of deep. Like you have this, like 65 this history minutes. between the two. Is it? Yeah. 65 minutes. And you, and you know what? You're right, JP. The yeah. narrative here is so much deeper than a 65-minute film considering there's a whole history between these two characters. They don't just end right. up at this at this place by chance. I mean, in a sense. They, I mean, a little bit due to circumstances. But the point is there's a history with them um, in the war and also – World War One, and also with um, Karloff stealing Lugosi's wife, and, yeah. and like yeah. there's there's just all this like and un- Lugosi having a daughter, right? <laughs> which he doesn't even really know is well. okay. I got yeah. a question about this. What is your guys's take on this? Because I'm watching this movie, thinking to myself, going, "Man, dude, like, what is she like?" I don't understand the time frame here because they do state in the film that the daughter died. I mean, the mother died when the daughter was really, well, she, the daughter even says herself, she was really, really young, right? So this is 15 years after the war ended. He married the wife of Lugosi two or um, married her. And then she died two years later. So we're talking, so we're talking 13 years after she passed away, the daughter's super young, but in this narrative, Karloff is married to the daughter if she was even yeah. three or four years old, that would only make her 16, 17 years old. And it's at a the most. <laughs> Think yeah. about that. Yeah. That was no matter how you look at it, she is still underage. <laughs> like she could be 15. Like she was so young. She barely remembered her mom. And I'm like, bro, that means she was under four. You have to put it in that perspective. She's 16 at tops here in the narrative. It's fucked up. Right. Right. And like, and he's married to her. And we don't know how for how long, because it has been 13 years since the wife passed away. So well, he would have been so, married and for he, so And he raised her. Right. He uh, pulled uh, a fucking, he pulled a Woody Allen. It's so, so weird, right? <laughs> I'm thinking of this going, this is a little bit, uh, I think well, the most, no, I think the most. The, inter- he hadn't seen the wife in 18 years. Mm-hmm. So that he would have had to have the wife pregnant so that she would at least be 18. So no, 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 he hadn't, no. He hadn't. I think they said she's twenty. No, he hadn't seen. He hadn't seen the wife in fifteen years since the war ended. No, no, he spent fifteen years in a prison camp. Right, but he hadn't seen the wife in eighteen years. Oh, so 
Oh, do they do they? The that? fifteen years was how much he spent in in a in a prison, right? But I thought that he had seen her. I thought they even specifically said they hadn't seen her fifteen years since the war because he'd been in that camp for that fifteen years. So I, I just assumed that he had seen her right when he went into the camp after fifteen years. So no, he hadn't seen I her. For, he, he, was in, he was in the war for a little bit. Then he ended up in the prison camp, right? Um, so it was. So like he hadn't seen his wife years. for a couple of years before he went into the into the camp. Into the prison right. camp. Yeah, but that's irrelevant. See, when you said they could remake this now, I'm thinking there's no way they would do it because of, you got to cast that aside, her exact age. <laughs> Think about it. Look at it this way. What if I got with my wife, mm-hmm. right, and she had a fucking three-year-old, right, and I was with her for 15 years, and then I had to raise her as my stepdaughter, and, right, and then my wife dies, and, and I you... marry my fucking stepdaughter who I've raised since she was three? So now she's that's 18. It happens. That's sickening. It's well, fucking weird. It's fucking it doesn't different. matter how old. Like, you're right. The, the 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 age is irrelevant. The point is, is that Seriously. he married his stepdaughter, who's still yeah, relatively who young, no matter how you look at baby. it. Right. It's creepy. I just I thought it was a weird narrative. If, if it was an older woman and he, she was 20 when he met her, and you know maybe 15 years later or something, something happened, and there was a romantic thing of a. I could look the other way to a degree on that, but to raise. A, a toddler <laughs> in the, and then for 15 years or how 18 years and then marry her. That's mm-hmm. fucking <laughs> that. That guy's fucked up. Right. That's all I was thinking watching the movie. I'm like, wait yeah. a minute here. He yeah, that's why her. he's the villain. It, it is weird, man. Oh, and I, I, and that's something I got to say about Karloff, man, the, his character, the way he looks with that fucking hair and just the way he dresses and shit. He looks evil. He's like Dr. Evilstein in this movie, man. It's like, he just looks the part like hardcore man, like that fucking Satan worshiping priest architect. Yeah. Like he just got it. The whole look is fantastic in this film. He and looks it, super creepy when he's uh, tied up to the thing and he's about to get skinned. I just, yeah, yeah. I love the way he just stares. Like in the, in the beginning of the film, when like the ghost, he's talking to him and he's just kind of like, Karloff is just staring at him. Right. And waiting, you're waiting for that answer, and his look is just so perfect. You're just like, oh my god, he's so damn evil. He does such a good job portraying this character, man. It's, it's great stuff. But yeah, and then the whole cult thing is really cool too. Um, it, it's just, I think the story is like, like way deeper than and like more mm-hmm. fleshed out than I expected for a film in 1934. Right. It is, man. There's there's yeah. a lot more going on that isn't really fully fleshed out because it can't be, we get bits and pieces of it. Like the fact that like Lugosi is there at the house and doesn't know his daughter is there is crazy too. Like there's a lot of stuff you could really expand upon. And, and you know, the, the, the backstory is really interesting with the war and how he betrayed, how he betrayed the people. And then, and then they ended up, you know, getting like 10,000 soldiers fucking, you know, killed and shit like that. And he was just, you know, he was evil from that point because obviously, it, you know, it, it's it's it couldn't really be a take on Hitler, even though Hitler was he wasn't like a household name in 1934. But I mean, he was still part of the other war and shit like that. But um, but it's kind of like that type of evil shit. Right. No regard for life. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and uh, but it, it's yeah, man, it, it's an interesting story. Because it has nothing to do with Poe's Black Cat. I love that. <laughs> I love No. I love that about it. It's like but I love post black cat. the whole thing. Yeah. Like they, they talked in the beginning after the cat was killed, they talked about evil transferring something. Like so I thought this movie was going to go somewhere in that respect where there was evil in the cat and there was evil here and I thought it was going to become this supernatural tale of some yeah. other things and they completely dropped. It never went anywhere yeah. with the black cat gimmick. 
It was just weird. All it is is was- all it is is Lugosi is terrified of cats. He kills the cat. Next scene, Karloff <laughs> is seen carrying a second cat, which we have no idea why he has a second black cat. But then that's the cool Love scene him. because we get to see him walk around the basement with with all his uh, dead women bodies down there. Oh yeah, like the that. Cha- yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, the so he's yeah, carrying the cat and that's coffins. Yeah, and like I gotta say, cool. man, like for nineteen thirty four, man, just seeing these and and like the bodies are creepy too because the hair is actually standing vertically. Mm. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Weird like looking, it's floating. man. It's floating and it's so yeah. it's so unique. But that's kind of like the end of the black cat. Like we get to see. I think the black cat he appears one more time, but he's not really a driving force on narrative mm. whatsoever. But that is the main focus. Of that scene. not the main focus, but when uh, um, Karloff is carrying the cat. So I love how in like these old Universal films, like there's always like some button or sliver that fucking explodes the house. Right. <laughs> that happens so often in these old movies. Yeah. This is this is the this is the He's lever. an architect. If anybody, he should have one. So my question is why would you have a lever in your basement that you could just easily pull down that's gonna ignite the dynamite that's gonna blow your shit up? So like you're anticipating It's like in all these movies. Like but, all the universal As the evil movies. doctor, as the evil person <laughs> who's got the satanic cult downstairs and shit, like you're anticipating that shit's gonna go south one day and you might have to blow your shit up. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> right? I mean, get really rid of the evidence, ahead. right? You got to get rid of the evidence. Right. I guess so. Yeah. It's all, a quick sacrifice. The... If you guys want to sacrifice you and your whole cult of Satan, you can do it real quick as opposed to right. low death. Fucking just blow each other up. You know, I, I just got to say, though, man, this movie for 1934 has so many unique things. Like, we've touched on, like, you know, it's got the killing of the cat, which we don't get to see on there. Um you know, there, there's some pretty drastic violence in this movie when, you know, he goes and he kills, he kills the daughter, you know, in a rage. We don't get to see that, but he kills the fucking daughter, which is technically his wife. Yeah. He kills the wife. You know, we get shit blown up. There's satanic cults. There's a whole idea that, you know, he basically murdered like 10,000 people. Like, there's so many things in this narrative that are like crazy for this yeah. time. Like there's a lot of death and destruction, a lot of evil. And the whole fact of the satanic, um, what do they call it? It's the day of. He needs to sacrifice on what's the actual name of the. Uh, oh, part I don't of the know. I remember the right. There's the a, rites of Lucifer. Yeah, but it's that. it's done on a certain day, and like they get kind of specific about that and stuff like that. And yeah, there's a there's a lot of crazy. That's why I've always loved this movie because it's fascinating to me that there's so many dark themes in this narrative. That would have been cool. The dark of the moon. Dark of the moon. That's what it's called. Yeah, right. So yeah. you have to sacrifice during that part of the yeah that certain time in dark of the moon, which is actually um, dark. I don't know. I don't think that's supposed to be Friday. No, that's not it's Black Friday stuff. But but anyways, but there's a, there's just a lot of darkness in the movie that I always loved about this film. I thought it was way ahead of its time. I thought it was really great. It's acted well. I do think there's a very very missed moment in this movie though i think there's a really cool scene where boris karloff and um bella Gossi sit down to play chess literally play chess yeah, for a couple lives mm-hmm. for the couple's lives and of course it, it's just it's just so against the grain but like bella Gossi loses the chess game right you think that he would actually end up winning this but he doesn't but i think that whole scene could have been so much better if you had this amazing sequence of back and forth dialogue between the two about life and death and just like you could have really extended that scene to the point where it could have got really, really in depth and like you could have built so much tension, but it never really goes into that depth. And you're just 
like as a as a film lover i'm just like man this is the point where it's kind of setting it up you know yeah this great dialogue i think it's kind of a missed point you know what i mean 30s and 40s films looking back like i feel like a lot of them if not all of them have sections of missed opportunity right like i always feel that way even hell i watched 30 universal monster films like one year and uh i always felt like there was room for more shit Mm -hmm. or like or like different scenes or like i would think about how it could have been better um, it's just, I think the time period, a lot of these films were super damn short too, you know? But like when you have a sit down, when mm-hmm. you, when you have a villain versus hero face to face, literally playing chess for people's lives, like you would think even in those days, like shit, man, this is a great opportunity. Let's have some great dialogue. Let's kind of extend this shit. Like it just, it was like a perfect, perfect moment. And like, it doesn't always happen yes. when you watch movies, but that was a great moment between two iconic characters. Could you imagine if that scene was 12 10 to 12 minutes of back and forth crazy dialogue that just like builds tension to the point of like holy fuck like you know we're playing with these and we don't really right. you know because i don't know in this one you kind what of you would know what they were talking about except the two of them they'd be making these little subtle jabs at each other that and, and no one else in the room would even know what they were talking about but right. the two of them they'd be right. fucking brilliant and yes yeah dude right. I, I always thought that wow. scene could have been just incredibly iconic too man yeah. I mean, we got two amazing actors, like literally face to face, playing chess with lives. Like that's a cool scenario, really, really cool stuff. So totally, yeah. Wow, that, that's I never thought of that, but yeah, that would have definitely added to it. Shit, how about the guy's name? How about fucking Lugosi's name in the movie? Fucking Vertigast. You know what that? You know what? What other movie that's featured in? Right? I knew it right away because it's one of my favorite movies, and I've seen it so many times. But I was like, holy shit, that's why they named him that, and it's German. And it took place in Germany, so that's a big hint there. But <laughs> yeah, what is it? I am totally. Blanking. I'll give you a hint. Oh no, Vertigas! They said you have to. I know you know. You're going to kick yourself when you don't know the answer. You saw him. That's what the one girl says to the other. What did he do? <laughs> I'll just tell you, Suspiria. Oh <laughs> fuck! Totally. The fucking man. guy. The right, doctor. right, yeah. right, right. Oh my god. I was way, I was totally thinking in a different direction there. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, I think it was like Pentagrass or whatever, or not Pentagrass, but the guy's name from Child's Play 3. I'm like, is it that name? I'm like, no, because they're (laughs) kind of playing more in that. But I'm like, no, it's nothing to do with Germans. But yeah, you're right. And he was a doctor, Dr. Vertigast. Right, right. Dumping the fucking water down her throat and shit in bed. (laughs) Oh, shit. That's crazy. That's so crazy. So that's a nice nod. It's Mm -hmm. a nice nod by Spy Argeno to fucking some old school shit like this. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah it's cool. it's funny too because in the trivia they actually say that the director Edgar G. Ulmer admitted to in an interview that the post story was uh, was just credited to draw public attention. It like had nothing right. to do with the with the narrative right. at all. Because it always confused <laughs> yeah, me. I was like, you think back, right? Like you wonder if people at, at that era were like big Edgar Allan Poe fans and went to see this movie and was like yes. disappointed. You know, like how we yeah. do now if an adaptation isn't done right. Right. <laughs> I bet. I bet. I mean, it got asses in the seats, and they probably were like, "Well," but the movie was probably good, so they didn't care. But but still, I'm sure it crossed somebody's mind. Did you see what happened with the director? He got blackballed from this movie. After this movie, because he he stole the girl. I don't know if it was the daughter or the mother. Actually, he hit on both of them. One of them got mad at him, and he had to fucking stop his advances. The other one, he he married, but she was married to a producer of Universal like a fucking big wig at Universal, and he ended up t- sh- 
stealing her away from him and marrying her, and then he got fucking blackballed. Oh, yeah. Really? I Crazy. did not know that. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Crazy. He thought with his dick way too much, and it fucked up his career. <laughs> right, <Yes>. right. <laughs> yep. Imagine that, though. <laughs> Stealing a fucking high executive of a fucking the movie company's wife right. off the fucking set and, and having her, you know, taking her from him. I mean, the balls on I him. mean <laughs> it, it's kind of funny how that, like, real life kind of imitated the art a little bit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because, he, because fucking Karloff stole the fucking wife. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yep. Even back then, guys were doing fucked up shit like that, fucking behind the scenes. Yeah, that, that's that's absolutely crazy. Um. Yeah. Do you guys have anything else on the black no, I cat? I think I'm good on the black cat. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think I'm good on that one too. Okay, um, Dave, you want to start us off here? With some ratings. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's uh, it's like you guys said it. Even in that short time, like an hour and five minutes, so much happened. I wasn't bored, and it never felt like it was like they were trying to fit too much shit in that hour. It just seemed like it was paced just enough, and all the dark themes, and like you know, just the whole idea of. I'm going to tear the skin from your body slowly bit, bit and all that shit. That's, fucking, that's badass, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was a good story. It kept you engaged. You fell for the, for the character, what's going on with his ex and, and, and you know, and his daughter. And, uh, you know, the bad guy was bad. And it was pretty good. For me, it's seven and a half. Uh, JP? Um, yeah, uh, I really enjoyed this one. Um, these are like perfect movies for like early October where you're just getting right into the, the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you start I with agree. the, like the older stuff, man. Um, I'll definitely, you know, now that I have this box set, I'll definitely throw these on at least a couple of them, maybe not all four. Um, <laughs> uh, every, you know, Halloween, every other Halloween more there. Uh, but yeah, I give it an eight. I think it's very solid for the time period. Uh, even for today, it's solid. Uh, very good movie. Um, I was actually surprised. I didn't think it would be as good as it ended up being. Like, I didn't think it would cross like seven and a half, eight territory, but it mm. did. Yeah, I think this movie is like incredibly ahead of its time, man. I, I still think that, you know, it's kind of cliche to say, but like sometimes when you don't show shit, like less is more. And every time I watch this movie, when like Karloff fucking freaks out and then basically kills his wife the daughter it always like affects me i'm like bro he just like went in there and just like fucking did her up just touched her right up you don't get to see it i'm just like i don't know there's something about that scene that just totally it's just very effective to me i think it's a very very dark film there's a lot of themes that just you know kind of keep you interested for a 65 minute film i mean name how like name a another movie with this much in-depth like potential narrative um for like 65 minutes like how many other films are like that none this is it no this it's is crazy it. <laughs> like there's just so much yeah. going on it's it's mind-blowing but uh i i just think uh it works for what it is and uh the whole skinning thing at the end is just is nuts to me it's absolutely nuts that that is actually in the movie for 1934 it's fucking crazy again you don't get to see this shit but it doesn't matter because you know what's happening like the beating of a wife to death and it's just it's fucking crazy to me man 
Um, I, I think I would have loved to have seen the cat get nailed with whatever he threw. I, I always thought he threw like a butt end of a knife or something. Like that. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was, but you just kind of hear the, you know, it's fucking over, but it's like, it, it's, it, it kind of loses its all its effectiveness because the next scene, Karloff is like carrying another cat. I'm like, are you fucking serious? Like, where did you bring that shit back? Like, I don't know. Um, but I'm coming in at eight and a half out of 10. I'm a big fan of this. I've stressed this in the past, how much I like this movie. I've recommended this to people over the years. And I'm like, if you want to start with like, you know, a Karloff Lugosi film, start with this one. This was the first one they did together. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's probably one of the more effective ones that they did too. Um, but I think it's a good one. It's short. You know, if you're not into like long, long movies, it's a good short watch. And, you know, it's definitely got replay, rewatchability to it. And so eight and a half out of 10 on that one. Nice. Yeah. Sure. All right, so that is going to do it for uh, the first film in the Universal box set uh, from 1934, The Black Cat. Dr. Volin, can we get Dr. Volin? You're the one chance she's got. All right, so moving along into the second film on tonight's episode, and it is one from 1935. Also starring Boris Karloff, Bela Gossi, and it is called The Raven, which is also in the realm of Edgar Allan Poe, once again. Yeah, this one has more Poe in it. It, it. it definitely has more Poe to it. I wouldn't say it's, but it's like... it's not The Raven. It's not, the, yeah. it's not an adaptation <laughs> not the of the story. It uses the title. It uses yeah. Edgar Allan Poe as kind of, a, kind of a back part of the narrative, too. It's kind of interesting how, how they incorporate that. But all right, so... Quick little synopsis, Dr. Volin is a brilliant but unstable surgeon with a morbid obsession for instruments of torture. He saves the life of Jean Thatcher, or Jean Thatcher, a beautiful young associate injured in an automobile automobile accident and becomes increasingly attracted to her. So, yeah, this is, a, this is definitely a prevalent theme in these movies where either Karloff or Lugosi plays a doctor... <laughs> So Lugosi plays a doctor in The Black Cat. He also plays a doctor in this movie, but he's also the polar opposite of The Black Cat Doctor where he is the hero, and in this one, he is the villain. Right. So they they definitely... role reversal on this one. Yeah, total role reversal in this film. Uh, Like, hardcore. Like, hardcore, man. And it's kind of funny how they create the the Karloff character. They kind of created Frankenstein out of him. Right. I was going to say that. it's, It's definitely reminiscent of Frankenstein. Right. Yeah. It's the sympathetic, the sympathetic monster character. Yeah. So the cool thing about this movie is that, again, it's not a straight up adaptation of Poe's The Raven story. They use it as a they use it as like a narrative kind of structure um, to Dr. Volen, played by Bela Lugosi. Is, um, he's obsessed with uh, Edgar Allan Poe. He's definitely a crazy doctor. He He's infatuated with pain and death and things like that. And he loves Edgar Allan Poe stories and essentially wants to kind of become what Poe's stories were, right? It's like life imitating art. This is kind of ahead of its time in itself, <laughs> right? Like, do <laughs> people do crazy shit because they see it in movies or do they do crazy shit because they read it in stories and novels? Well, in this case, yeah, right. he was very, very influenced by Edgar Allan Poe's uh, morbid obsession with death and instruments of death, like torture stuff, like, you know, especially the pit and the pendulum. 
The pit and the pendulum is the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so, the big one. So the story is in this film is uh, Bella Gosey is basically kind of a retired doctor and he doesn't want to, he's, he's done with, you know, the whole surgery. He's done with being a doctor and stuff like that. Anyways, somebody contacts him one day, his wife has been in an accident and he pleads with him. He's like, you're the only doctor that can save her and you need to come and do this. And he's like, nah, he's like, bro. No, not happening. And like, he's just like this evil fucking asshole. He doesn't give a shit about life and death. And they, they even question too. Like, man, she's going to die. Like, you're the only person I can save her. And he's like, nah, it's okay, man, whatever. <laughs> you know, not like that. But like, he's basically saying, fuck you. I'm not going to do this. He actually gives in to it. He saves her life and then becomes essentially infatuated with her. The problem is, is with her that she's engaged. She's engaged and uh, she's already got a relationship going and stuff. And, and then her overpowering father is involved in stuff too. So he devises this plan where he wants to basically, uh, in a sense, almost kidnap them. He holds this dinner party and he's got other plans. He's got ulterior motives for the people at this, uh, at this, um, uh, dinner party kind of thing. Um, the cool thing about this, the narrative is like, <laughs> so we have Boris Karloff's character who is actually a criminal who contacts yeah. who contacts Belagosi's character and he wants the facial change because he's running from the law and he's already right. ugly and stuff and he's already been you know he's already been suffering his whole life people used to call him ugly and he's just been, he's just been tortured his entire life by his looks and stuff so Lagosi as evil as he is and I love this narrative man he uses <laughs> what Lagosi yeah, cool. he, he uses what Karloff comes to him for <laughs> And basically ends up blackmailing him. He's like, yeah, you know, he kind of, he's like, yeah, I'll change your face. I'll change your face. So what he does, he makes them even fucking uglier. Worse, dude. But th- that's <laughs> yeah. not evil as shit, right? Right? He like, makes them so ugly and forces him to do his bidding, do his dirty work. And then he says to him, he's like, well, if you, if you kill these people or do whatever I ask you to do, I'll change you into a beautiful person. <laughs> Right. Fucking evil, Could you man. imagine like having like a big mole on the side of your face or something? You want to go get it removed. You go to the doctor and you come out and it's like twice the size. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're like, fuck, that's Dude, like the most evil shit ever. I love like, it. Because I, I hated this enough to get it removed and then you make it worse. <laughs> I love the fact that like when he wakes up, his eye is like drooping down here. <laughs> he fucked up his face, man. <laughs> It's so evil. It is so evil. And you know what I love about this, man? Watching these movies in in sequence because Karloff in the first film is so fucking evil. And Lugosi in this movie is so fucking evil. Like, they really Yeah, I think in this one, Lugosi actually outshines Karloff in this one. Lugosi kills this one. Yeah, dude. Lugosi's excellent in this film, man, because he's just, like, he's so dead set on just performing, like this ritual fucking Edgar Allan Poe torture shit. It's, it's amazing. But it like the whole narrative is again, quite sadistic for 1935. People watching this shit must've been like, bro, what the fuck, man? I don't know. I think this movie is fantastic. It's just, it's evil genius. And it's, it's so fast. It just fucking flies, dude. This movie flies. I mean, I remember, you, you ever like time check you know what i mean i remember time checking there was like 10 minutes left and i was like fuck yeah man i, I know these ones go by so quick dude I, I really you know i could never figure out which movie i liked better if it was the black cat or the raven but you know after re-watching this one yesterday i was like fuck man this movie is just beyond diabolic to me it's like actually yeah. comically hilariously diabolic like 
could you imagine someone doing this in real life to somebody? Like, it's just insane. It's not like he had something on him. He changed his fucking face and made him do some shit. And I gotta say, I actually Man. really like the 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 pendulum is pretty cool, but the the shrinking room is actually pretty cool too. Right. It's like, oh, that's neat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Little special effects in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I I really like this film too. I put it right on par with the Black Cat. Actually, uh, it's maybe narrative wise, it's not as deep. No. You know, it's really just about a guy who starts liking a girl and wants to kill off the people that are in his way. Well, it's, it's, it's about another- his obsession with it's, it's really about his obsession with, 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 uh, with death and torture though. He's a, he's like a doctor. He's like Dr. Death. He's like Dr. Death, you know, yeah, but, I lo- but I love it. Uh, I don't know if it was ever implied. I don't know if it was ever implied that they were trying to do like the whole, you know, life imitating art type thing, because he clearly is, doing what he's doing because of Poe. Like without the Poe material, he wouldn't have been doing what he was doing because it was all based on that. It was all based on the torture shit, right? So it's it's kind of interesting. Like, I don't know if they were intending to have this commentary in there, but when you watch it like a hundred years fucking later and everything nowadays has commentary and, we, and we're kind of like designed and forced to look into shit and read between the lines on right. things because that's just the way 100%. horror movies are made now. And they've been made like this for a long time. I'm not sure about the early golden age of universal films that they were meant to have commentary in there. But when I look at a film like this, all I see is going, could you imagine if that came out in reality today, that someone built a fucking torture chamber in their house based off of fucking, Poe books like it would just be huge news like this dude was like totally influenced by the liter- the literature and that's that's not good and then it would be a big thing are people really influenced are they doing this shit because they're reading oh we got to get these Poe books off the shelves now because we got to cancel Poe because he's influencing <laughs> people to fucking you no know, torture and kill people <laughs> where it wasn't a thing back then but now when you look at it it's literally correlating to pose torture devices. Like, I'm just like, holy shit, dude. Like this is, it's, it's so extreme, but it wasn't then it was just kind of using as a, as a narrative tool, you know, Poe, because he was ahead of his time. He was ahead of its time. And this movie, I guess uses that structure. And and it's, and to me, it's ahead of its time also. So it's fucking evil, man. It's really, really evil. And I'm just, I can't believe that movies like this aren't being canceled. (laughs) (laughs) Now that, now that we reviewed it, people are going to be like, Oh fuck, they're right. We got to do something about this. (laughs) It's coming. (laughs) But yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of a scary thought though, man, when people do shit like that, but I love this movie, man. It's really good. It's really, really good. I just, I I agree. Like fuck with Karloff, right? When he first takes the bandages off. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, dude, but it's so not bad to be. <laughs> and it's funny because you feel so bad for him because you're like, dude, you're you're fucking Frankenstein again, man. And it's yeah. literally it, what they're going for. They're trying to play off that sympathetic character and sell it like that too. And I think they well, do a he good be, job. He actually, but the difference between Frankenstein and this one is he actually becomes the hero in this one. Yeah. Well, because he never and, wanted to do it from the start, right? He was against the whole thing. He's like, I ain't helping you, man. He's like, right. I just want to face. I just want to get the fuck out of here and go on with my life. Yeah, didn't work out that way. <laughs> yeah, but is he sympathetic? Wasn't he fucking? He was a killer a bad too. Criminal doing that? Okay. Yeah, that's my whole but, thing with this movie. The, they give the idea that it was it stemmed from like being bullied essentially yeah. and like n- not like being able to be himself. Yeah, his path of life. <laughs> yeah, but was, he's wanted. 
Yeah, he, he's right. A, I he, mean, he I'm not, just, up, I, it, not justifying shit. it. I'm just saying, like, yeah. he becomes, he grows. You know, he he. You get the sense that he, uh, you know, probably didn't deserve the path that he was. Well, they talk given. about that. Like he he basically was on that path of destruction because of all the bullying and stuff that he had, which is kind of interesting too. That the, they they actually incorporate bullying which is a huge thing nowadays and <laughs> they actually talk about how the bullying made him an angry person and if it wasn't for the bullying he wouldn't have been the way he was and stuff because he reacted to it like with violent tendencies and stuff and it kind of led him in you know on down that down that path of destruction uh, down that rabbit hole of destruction and uh you know so you feel bad for him in that sense i mean yeah he definitely did some shit that he probably shouldn't have but you're also focusing on why he ended up down that rabbit hole and then when he gets blackmailed basically into doing what he's doing not really blackmailed kind of forced kind of tricked into what he was doing what he was supposed to do you feel bad for him because he was he was just there for a face change man come on just get rid of this ass. Right. Yes, well he was there for a face change because he escaped fucking prison because he killed people. So yeah. he's a bad guy to begin with, and he's on the run. So he has to look like somebody else. It sounds like they're both bastards to me. However, he does in the end. He has that moment of clarity. Oh, I'm not saying I'm not saying yeah, that he wasn't a bad really guy. We don't know who he killed. Right? He could have killed other douchebags. Well, it doesn't actually matter. I mean, the, the focus is, is they make he, it sound like he's a fugitive on the run. That's all I know. Yeah, he that, was. That's yeah. the way it's presented. Well, but he the, was, but but you get the sense that it's because he was. It's because it's, it's because of his upbringing. He was he was and, he was only the way he was because of the bullies. They used to call him ugly every day, and he said he used to react to it. I guess that's a yeah, personal. He was decision. like, "Stop bullying me!" You know, sticks and stones <laughs> break my Bully. bones. But come on, but I get that. But people <laughs> but no, make their decisions. I mean, I, he like you but know. I think obviously, without, if this was real life and he was like a killer, I'd be like, "Fuck him too." Well, that's you know what thing. I mean. But like in this movie, he's supposed to be like the sympathetic and and becomes the hero type thing. Well, that's the thing. If they don't give him the backstory and he's this bank robber that just fucking bucked down like 10 security guards, a woman and her fucking child and, and an old granny <laughs> named fucking Margaret, you know, then you're, then you're a bastard motherfucker. But the fact that they give him this sympathetic background backstory, because, you know, he became this person because of these assholes, you know, it's justifiable. I'm not saying it's 100% correct in how everyone's going to perceive this character, but to me, it is sympathetic in this in the sense that like he was he was kind of destined to do that because of the bullying and shit. It's it's sad. It's sad, and people do fucked up things, man. I mean, oh, yeah. let's face it. Nowadays, man, people like you know the the internet suicide shit is so crazy right now. People getting bullied online and like. I personally don't understand how you could let shit like that bother you to the point where you'd kill yourself, but that's not me. That's them. Right. I get it, but I don't. Yeah. But you know, the point is, is like people make decisions based off of other people's reactions and, and the way you're treated in life and stuff like that. I get it, man. Because if you've ever been, if you've ever been offended by something, but could you imagine having that happen to you every single day of your life? Like someone's like, Dave, you know what? You're, you're such a fucking loser because you sound like Joe Pesci. Yeah, and like but if Joe you, Pesci's way cooler than you. But the thing is, like, he has more money. But like, if you heard that every single day, they're like, "Why the fuck would you?" Like, you're an idiot. For some, like, if you just heard that every single day, you might snap and be like, "Bro, sure you would." I mean, that's my yeah, point. Dude. Like, people are fucking. No, rude. I get it. The people are so mean and rude and shit like that. And and when it comes to the internet, <clears throat> let's face it, man, you don't have to be anywhere near someone to offend them, right? 
internet keyboards, right, people are so offended. And I think that's part of the problem with people though, too, is they, they can't react to it because you technically can't. You have that. You don't have that personal interaction. You know, like if someone called you a name to your face in, in the real world, you're going to have it out right there. It's probably going to be settled. But on the internet, they can just keep fucking doing that. Type, type, type. You know, those little cat memes, you know, those little cat fucking memes. And, and, and they're doing that constantly to you. Like, you can't do anything. Like, what do you do? You say some words back? Like, it doesn't solve anything. It just, it makes you probably feel shittier. You know, I, 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 I get that whole shit, man. I mean, I personally oh, yeah, am very, very strong. Unfriended. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very, very strong when it comes to like all that type of shit. Like, I never let anything bug me at all. I'm just like, fuck, I don't give a fuck what Not people now, think. No, no, no because you, Maybe you, when I was young though, you learn you know? from it, man. Like the early days of YouTube. Oh right. yeah, you get some hate comments. You're like, fuck, man. And you think about it. You're like, oh fuck. But you know, all I used all that shit, and I was like, bro, nothing bugs me. It, you can say anything you want to me. It doesn't bother me. Right. I'm gonna keep doing. I'm, I'm gonna keep doing shit. I don't care. You know, like if you don't agree with my opinion. It's fine because it's my opinion. You don't have to, right? Word, right? It's it's it. no one no one told you you had to agree with me. Like fuck, you don't, whatever. But no, they're not paying my bills. What the fuck would I care? That's right, what I said. right. It I just doesn't. Aff- my bills, what I care? What you think? Just doesn't affect me, man. Doesn't affect me, but yeah. and you shouldn't. But kids are kids. I, the whole thing with uh, minds not being developed enough yet and being at, you know, you got fucking teen angst and you have hormones. That's a different age. I could completely understand. What happens in those cases? I was actually just thinking about this the other day because I was watching a video and and Buddy was saying that um, he knew he went to school with this girl and she actually just jumped in front of a train like last week. And it was all because of online bullying. And I was thinking to myself going, shit, man. So she was a shitty way to go. She was like 20 years old. She was like 20 years old or something like that or whatever. So she had bullied all through high school and then just, you know, whatever. So she was born in like, you know, early 2000s. Right. And I'm thinking to myself going, you know what? It makes a lot of sense because a lot of these people that grew up in this era of technology don't really have that personal uh, interaction that, you know, like me and you did, Dave, because we're like, we're older than JP. Right. Like we all, we're like from like three different generations here, but we, right. me and you grew up always dealing with people. And then when it came to the internet age and the digital age, we still could interact with people like, you know, it, we could dif- differentiate between the two I mean, and, even, and deal with it me, differently though, dude i missed a lot of the the internet yeah. age you know like i graduated in 2010 so it was like the very end like i think i don't even know facebook just started i think when i graduated you know well facebook so, has been around um, since about the mid 2000 like 2005 something like that well I think it started. but like 2008 or 2008 yeah, something like that 2008 yeah. so it was like just start you know it, right it was yep. you know i i didn't spend my whole you know no. childhood on facebook you know what i mean right so uh i i could see where where people get like that nowadays but like it's just unfortunate you wish that there was like a way to explain to these people like dude you're you're taking a permanent solution to a temporary problem nobody right. gives a fuck about this no. nobody gives a fuck about anybody that you went to high school with when you're like think about it now like how often do you think of right. any of the people you went to high school with I think about them, but I also know what they became. The reason I think about them is because when I had my Facebook opened, uh, my other account, I would see people that I went to high school with and saying, okay, this guy and this girl and these people were this, this, this in high school. This was their click. Look at them now and look what this person turned out to be and look at this and this. And and it's just – 
and I've been hammering this to my daughter since she's been young enough to, you know, I've, the age where I think she could comprehend where I'm, especially she's 16 now, just turned 16. I'm like, listen, whatever happens now in 10 years isn't going to even matter. It dude. does not it just, matter. Like you, you, you used to be so obsessed with like, oh or, or a lot of people would be obsessed with like what other people thought or like what oh, so-and-so yeah. in, in school, you know, but now like I, yes. I honestly, there's some people I don't even recognize that went to high right. school that, they, that I saw every day and talked to every day. And you know what I mean? So it's like it just yeah. sucks. Like that. Like you wish you could like let people know. Like, look, this shit is not gonna matter, and them actually mm-hmm. believe. Like you wish you could I know. actually show it to them. <laughs> right. No, right. You do, especially when you have a kid, because there's nothing like that feeling of having a child. And when you are a parent. <clears throat> The, the, the worst thing you can think of is somebody hurting your child in any fucking way. Mm-hmm. It's right. worse than them hurting you, <clears throat> you know. And I, and that's and that's what I, that's what I always tell her. You know, she's like any other kid. You know, she goes through different things, and you know, she's a sixteen-year-old girl now. So it's not going to get probably going to get a little worse before it gets better. I don't know, but I mean, she's sixteen. We don't know, but it's just like you try to convey to them, hey, listen. But and you hope they believe you. But I remember when I was sixteen, and what my parents told me, a lot of it was in one ear and out the other. And I right. try to be as hip as I can and be able to really, because I still feel like a kid in many respects. So, so I don't think I think that my <clears throat> daughter. I could be completely fucking off base here, but I don't think that my daughter looks at me the way I looked at my father when I was her age. I yeah, just I, don't. I, think I don't a lot think of so. I really I think, don't. So, but I don't know. Yeah. We. <laughs> I, I think but, you're right about that. I think that also like. Um, like kids are such savages, dude. It, it, the kids that I grew up with, man. Well, the world brutal, allows it to be because it's brutal. just so easy to be by yourself in a room calling someone a motherfucking cocksucker cunt, where you wouldn't have that type of shit in real life. Like it just—it's so simple, dude. And that's the problem is that there's no fucking filter when you're fucking with right. people on the internet and shit, and people take that shit serious. And it's like. Like, you never had someone go, oh, you're a fucking cunt. Like, that shit never happened, man. Like, <laughs> right. you were fighting if that happened. Right. Right? It's right. a totally different right. world that we that we live in and stuff. And But, uh, you know, it it is interesting. Like, you know, I, I don't think my kid looks at me like I looked at my family. You know, like. Right. I, I don't know. I mean, the thing. I mean, I'm, I'm still like a big kid. Like I wear. I still dress right. like I'm fucking like thirteen, me. right? I, I still like. act like it. You know, it's like. I mean, I'm right. still responsible, but you know, well, it's course. like I don't. I don't act like how I the how yeah. how I was raised. You know, it's like at all. Right. But yeah, I know it, it's different. It's different. But you know, you try to give them the and best. And people you go. Can. People go from zero to one hundred like that on the internet mm-hmm. that never happens in real life i mean there's a couple of hotheads you're out drinking right. in a bar and some guy's got to swing his big dick around some girls and go oh, you know you're fucking with man i mean you see that at clubs sometimes oh yeah but usually- i feel like it's even more rare these days like i feel like people just don't like act like that out in public no. at least you don't see it as often man well when i was growing up man like when i was you know late 90s early 2000s you know 19 20 21 like to go to the club and not see four or five fights in a night was pretty unusual. Pretty, especially where I come from. Like I come from a pretty, (laughs) like a small city, a hundred thousand, it wasn't a hundred thousand people back then, but you don't say like 80, 85,000 people, but it's very, it's very, there's a lot of redneck. There's a lot of fucking different (laughs) types of people. And people will tell you that you're a different motherfucker. Like growing up being a hip hop kid and like dressing the way I did and stuff. Like you would have other, like the Cowboys would be like, 
they would call you every fucking name in the book, like the straight up N word, the W word, like everything, every five, just because, (laughs) just because you listened to hip hop meant you wanted to be black. Right. And we don't have any of that. Well, I blew some motherfuckers mind one time and this, this fucking hillbilly fuck was like, oh, he was calling me, he kept calling me the N word, man. I was like, and I was just staring at him. I'm like, bro, I'm like, I'm like, you do realize, I mean, you listen to rock music. Yeah, I listen to rock music. So I guess that makes you the wigger now. Because I'm like, who do you think invented rock music? Motherfucker had no idea what to say to me. He didn't know. He's staring at me going, like, what is this cracker talking about? Cracker. And I'm like, bro, I'm like, you do realize, man. And that was the end of that shit. Yeah. It right. was unbelievable. Everyone's like staring at me going, wow, you like silenced that shit, man. And I just did That's it calmly. It was one of the greatest moments. I was like, bro, I'm like, I just, I was like, whatever, man, you can call me the fuck you wanted to, but you, you got to understand the whole logistics here, man. There's a bigger picture <laughs> to what you're, you're trying to insult me. And it was just because like, yeah, I listened, I listened to hip hop. Mm-hmm. So that means I want to be black. Dude, I, said, I was even worse though. Cause I used to walk around with the fucking a medallion around my neck because that oh, wasn't style. Dude, I'm, for, was I'm 42. I'm 42 and I still... I Eminem talks about in that song. He goes, not even knowing that we, we were being laughed at. You ain't even half black. You ain't supposed to Let me get that. <laughs> let me have that. Yeah. I still walk around rocking this big chain. Look at this thing. And this is actually a real chain too. People like, look at it. Like, is that thing real? I'm like, actually it is. But it's like, I don't have the big medallion on it, but... You know, it's a big ass fucking chain. I used to have a fucking clock around my neck. I used to have a fucking fake gold that I got from Spencer's around my neck. Dude, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. I had to put up with my shit, but that was a whole different time. I mean, like literally, let's say there's 360 people in my fucking class and like a thousand in the high school. Yeah. We're going so far back, less than 20 listen to rap music at all. And I was mm-hmm. one of them. Just think about well, how much they Yeah, see, I but, came from I yeah. came from an area where it was, you know, it was different. If if I was down south in Vancouver, it was a totally different scene, right? But where I was, it was the majority. Like you were in the huge, huge minority, right? There was there was like a community of people. Sure. We used to do these shows, DJ freestyling, put on these shows at the skate parks and stuff, and it was always the same people around town that would come to them. But it was great because it was like you know, it was this community of people that understood what was going on and stuff, and but. It was small. It was very, very small in the 90s, which is kind of surprising considering when you look back on it, like that was the golden age of music and like the shit was so good between 88 and like 95. And Indeed. It's looking back <laughs> bigger, but... Um, yep. Sidetracked. Um, yeah, yeah. The Raven. The Raven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm I not think- as high as you guys because I think they started some things in the plot and they just didn't follow it up right. But again, you guys might just disagree, and that, that's kind of my knock on the film. Like, I thought it was going to be about this guy had a crush on this girl, but the guy came to his house and said, my daughter has developed a fondness for you. Mm-hmm. So I thought this whole thing was going to be – and then when I when he hired the guy to kill, I thought he was hiring him to kill the father so he could be with the girl who also wanted to be with him. Then all of a sudden, they kind of abandoned that in the third act, and it just became about him torturing people. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I thought your whole motivation was because you wanted to be with this girl because you think she's attractive, and you hear that she's attracted to you, to you and, and they completely dropped that gimmick. And I was like, it just seems like it didn't stick the landing 
in that respect to me. It, it became a different movie. Not a bad movie, but I just think that, like, it started off one way and went somewhere else, and I just wish they would have, to get where they wanted to go, I wish they would have got us there taking a different route as, as the way it began. It just kind of had me scratching my head a little bit. Mm-hmm. was my issue. I don't know if anybody else read saw that, but that that's what I was expecting. I, I think it's sort of just his like, madman nature takes over once he starts getting into the... Like, I think it, initially it was just about, like, the girl, but I think, like, you know, once the ball starts rolling, his, like, Poe inspiration comes full to full effect. I think it was just easier yeah, to, to, to not do, like, not to, like, subject everybody to the, the torture, and I feel like he just, at that point, he just kind of fucking lost his mind. I don't know. But I do get what you're saying, True. though, because, like, she yeah. was interested in him, but I'm not sure if she was completely, like, on the same level. Like, she was interested in him, but I don't know if she was interested in the point of, like, leaving her fiance or husband is it fiance i think she wasn't married or husband whatever. Was, it was a fiance. fiance yeah so but there was never a scene between the two of them there was not one scene after what happened she came and it seemed like he was flirting a little bit with her she was you can have an effort got because she was grateful and he was coming on to her a little bit and at first it looked like she was rejecting it but then she <laughs> seems like he went home developed his crush on him wanted to be with him the guy told him then when they all come to the house I just there was not one single scene of her expressing any type of feeling towards him at all, and I think it would have served. Yeah, that, that's better. a fair point. Like, no, it I, is. I, at first, it is. Like in my own head, I was thinking like, okay, well, maybe it like has this, um, you know, like a lot of times, like patients fall in love with the doctor that saved their lives, type of mm-hmm. thing, um, but they don't really expand upon any of but maybe it, that's like why said, like, but maybe that's why so that damn short he hard. recognizes he recognizes that she's not showing any interest at the house and his goal when they all got there was to kind of like you know kind of steal her away and then torture the fiance and the in the and the the dad which you know in reality if you kill them off you think she's going to be in love with you kind of thing it doesn't really but maybe he recognizes that she has she's not really showing the interest personally at the house and he's like fuck this he's flipping the script and he's just going to be like, we're torturing everybody now. We're just going to go through with this post yeah. shit and we're just going to let every, it's not even about her anymore because she didn't show that affection personally. And I, I think maybe that's what's implied there. That's the way I kind of took it. Um, just to explain that away a little that. bit. I just wish we would have got some, a little bit of screen time devoted to it. Right. That's it's it's right. definitely right. Um, not touched upon in on screen right i'm not saying but, i don't uh, like the movie i like the movie right. i just i'm not going to be as high as you guys and that's like one of my read there was a couple mm-hmm. instances where it to me they kind of dropped the ball in the narrative just just a little right. bit but like, no. and i didn't understand what the guy said he was so ugly boris karloff when he came to him just looked like a fucking guy with a beard right they should yeah been, that was a little they, they should have maybe yeah. uh <laughs> he should have looked the way he looked after the operation to start with and then made him look worse well that would have been i couldn't a- understand why fucking he was the guy is a wanted man they said he was like a fucking fugitive right yeah the guy's name is bateman why would he call him bateman in front of all the people that are there i thought he was going to give him away they're going to go oh bateman you know who that is but that never happened yeah he's american psycho right (laughs) (laughs) but like you know if i was Legosi and he's like yo man i you need to change my face man i'm so damn ugly i've been bullied my whole life and shit i need a face change and shit i would if i was Legosi, i'd have been like um, here's a razor. Shave your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you have to yeah. use your imagination on that one a little bit. I know, but I'm just saying. And then he goes, it'll be a 10-minute operation. 
Right. <laughs> right. But no, it, it is a valid point. And like watching that shit too, I'm just like, man, I tell you, they they definitely flipped the script here. And I, I think it's just the only well, way you could ever justify what you were saying in the first review about how these films like are edited where there's pieces missing. Yeah, it's like, there's definitely it's a piece not missing a there. whole yep. picture all the time. Right. It's true, man. Which because- is probably why I don't love them, which is probably why to this day, I haven't seen a movie before the year of 1950 that I've given a, a rating of an eight or higher eights as high as I've gone in any of the universal classics. I enjoy them. I just don't, I there's always a Have little. You ever seen Phantom's Carriage? Holy fuck! It's so funny you say that. Yesterday we got into this whole conversation on exploding heads about it because of the Top Hundred show coming up, and I said there's some movies I haven't seen that I like to see, and I said the Phantom Carriage, and Christian didn't even know what I was talking about, and we kept making jokes about him, and like, like <laughs> Christian was calling it the wrong name. He was calling it fucking. <laughs> Uh, baby carriage of doom or some shit. He forgot what it was, but he didn't know what it was. Dude, yes, I plan on seeing that for this year. What about Cabinet of Doctor Caligari? It's, that also came up, sorry, and I am going to watch that. Okay, because like those are two that I actually know because I don't have a lot that are above eight either. Eight's usually like my max, but there are okay. a few such as those two that I'm higher than an eight on. I definitely the Phantom Carriage. I've got it at a ten out of ten. Man. 10 out of 10. See, I remember you saying that. I remember you guys reviewing it and and blowing the movie. I'm like, well, wait a minute. So because I'm coming up with my top 100, I'm like, well, I only owe it to myself. There's maybe like, you know, a dozen movies that I feel that as a horror fan, I must see before I can make a concrete 100. And those are two of them right there that we literally talked about yesterday. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's so funny. Yeah. Right. We're doing that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Because those are, those are two that silent films that I think like went, went, and I went into, especially Cabinet Dr. Caligari, like thinking like, oh, this is just like, you know, it's going to be good, but it's like, how good can it be as 100 years old? You know what I mean? But then but I was like, know. wow, this is actually good for like today. Like the story's good. See? Like it's it's atmospheric. It's creepy. It's like, it's a good movie. And I heard you guys talk. You guys all loved it. I'm like, well, I got to see this fucking movie. There's no question. And I will. And there's one more thing about this movie that that bugged me a little bit it's more of a funny thing but the guy comes up through the fucking trap door in their bedroom right the wife tells the fucking husband about it rather than investigate and see if there's a fucking trap door in the room he just gets rid of his wife and puts her in some other room who the fuck would do (laughs) well you gotta remember dave back back in the 30s women's opinions don't matter didn't matter you know what I mean? You're just, you just like, oh, shit. But you're also, yeah, but you're in the room, too. So right. if you know that somebody could come up through a trap door in the room, aren't you going to look for a trap door? Yeah, but most likely. I don't know. A, a, little, a little bit. Again, I'm not trying to knock the film. I'm just telling you why, you know, these are the reasons why I'm no, not going to No, I mean, that's, that's I can't factual. help it. I thought the same thing when watching it. I was just like, uh. Yeah. I mean, that, that, yeah. That, again, you know, just like I said, though, it's like. I feel like there's certain things that you just have to like almost just kind of accept in these movies. Cause yeah, because like it's because they're so short, they don't have those parts in them. Like there should be a part there to distinguish, you know, the relationship between that was potentially going to happen and why it didn't happen and stuff. But instead of like going from one scene where she's digging to all of a sudden, like, Oh, he's going to fucking torture everybody. <laughs> it's like, I also think that was just a general like mindset of like people didn't question stuff back then because like you got to remember like the, 
cinema had only been around like 20 years you know what i mean oh, yeah. like right. like yeah. in the theater you know to be able to go see these yeah. things yeah. and it's like like i think people were just like didn't didn't really expect things to be like perfectly mm-hmm. you know executed like we do now where it's like if that happened in a modern movie right we'd be like what the fuck oh, right. you know what yeah. i mean <laughs> like you're sure. not gonna look to see if there's a trap door so it, it but it's i think just the general like right. filmmakers just didn't uh like think about stuff like that that's not it's just something you have to get past and it's maybe it's easier for some than others but you know we're, we're so used to watching all the stuff we've grown up watching that you just you know just like italian horror people can say well italian horror it doesn't have to make sense because of this and this and you either go with it or you don't. Some people are okay with it. Some just like some people can't watch Jallos because they don't like the way they wrap up sometimes, and you hear complaints about them. I guess you know. Well, I can see that different. actually happening in a Giallo, where there's a trap door and someone <laughs> question it. Like I people think have no like patience. That's the problem. That's the problem with people, and when they don't like Giallos, they don't they don't have the patience span. Giallos are just murder mysteries. It's just yeah. It's, it's I, the I'm whole movie's the a build up towards the world of them. There's just some a, that are great. Yeah, there's just a fucking the whole movie premise is just a build up to a reveal, right? And the reveal is kind of what separates well, the good from the bad ones. Well, I think a lot of ones. people's problems is like there's right. a lot of shit that just is too convenient or doesn't make sense a lot of times. Like you could, if you really pay attention to some giallos, you could pick those fuckers apart. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but the, but there's but, other mystery movies like not even like if we're talking about you know just general mysteries and thrillers and things. There, there's parts in those movies too that are, there's always shit in those movies that kind of like th- is meant to throw you off a little bit. It, it's, it's just the way those movies are done. Right. Um, I get it though. Like the convenient shit and those certain elements of giallos. But the thing I like about giallos versus like your general kind of mystery thriller and stuff is that giallo has that total, exploitation element to it that i love you know it's it's got it's very sleazy i love the music in those movies they just they have a little bit more elements that i like to your general mystery thriller kind of murder mystery so i love the style of them i love the italian movie style personally and 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 i actually even the dubbing is part of its charm for me like right. i enjoy the feeling i get watching them i'm like oh yeah i like this stuff it's right. like uh it's right. comfort food in a way you know right. yeah so but some people complain about it while others embrace it and again i get to watch a movie like this one and say i enjoy the good things about it but sometimes it's hard for me that's why i said eight's the highest i've given an older movie because i always end up having these little like my biggest complaint of all and i say this all the time is how quickly people fall in love and get married in old movies like immediately <laughs> all the fucking time it's like the worst trope of old cinema like, i feel like that's not, how it happened back then though like you think i don't know i should have yeah, had dude time. like i i remember like my <laughs> my friends like grandparents um they were like old as shit and uh they they like went on one date and got engaged like the next day and got married like right Amazing. after he came back from like the war <laughs> you know what i mean maybe it's, there's something wow. to this i don't know <laughs> Shit. that's a little extreme damn yeah maybe it was common who knows maybe he's right all right no it definitely was common dude it, it for sure was you read about it all the time oh well it was, it was also common on, like, to, dates. to get engaged <laughs> and shit when you were 16 17 years old and get married and shit like it's pretty sure, unheard right. of nowadays but i mean it was common back in those days that's it's just the way it happened right and then they would stay yeah, together well, i mean that's, that's why the, that's why our grandparents were married would have... had a kid 
owned a house and you know all that by the time they were like 1920 yeah and that's why like our, our grandparents and great grandparents and she would have like their 70th fucking wedding anniversary because they got married so fucking young right? <laughs> like, you would never see that now it's crazy man um so do you guys have anything on the raven anything else you guys want to nope. talk nope. about uh, i believe it's my turn to go first yeah um yeah uh i'm giving coming in at the, even though dave did point out some stuff that i had subconsciously thought about but just like you know chalked it up to old movie um but it, it is oh, it is valid it is valid um so it did it it didn't quite hurt my rating but it, it definitely made me think a little bit more but i'm still coming in at eight you know that that's my mentality with these movies and i, I explained it away in the first one too is like there's definitely things that are just missing and having that mentality and of you know from watching these movies multiple times and stuff i'm just i i guess i'm a little bit more forgiving and accepting of those things where one scene you can have this person doing this and the next scene this is happening i'm just like you know, that's the product of the 68-minute movie right there. <laughs> you know, it's missing a fucking key moment. But I'm like, but I've watched so many of these movies. I grew up watching a lot of old universal, just black and white movies in general. And I I, I think I'm just accustomed to the simplicity of the movies in, in a sense of like the running time, right? They really kind of, they, they simplify the running time. Like 65, 70-minute movies were nowadays even like you know two hour movies sometimes you'd be like oh we probably could have done that a little bit better too it's just the way things are done are just so different so different but but then again if like these are first time watches and stuff dave like those are valid right. valid points for sure but i think if you if you watch them over time you're like eh, it's a little bit more forgiving it really is i'm not saying it should be but i'm just saying that's just the way it is with me um right. But I really, really like the characters. I, Bella Gosi is fantastic in this movie. He's so fucking evil. I love the Poe inspiration where it's not a direct adaptation to the, the Raven story. You know, they show the Raven and stuff, but he's just a Poe fanatic, and that's so cool. And uh, it, it's fun. It's fun. The ending's like crazy. And uh, 8 out of 10 for myself. Yeah. Right on. Okay, well, I, uh, I I was okay with it, you know, I, despite what I said. There was still some good stuff. I really enjoyed the post stuff. Actually, this discussion kind of uh, made me look at a few things differently as well. But And the performances were good. And, and Bella was, was was pretty great. So uh, I'm six and a half. Okay. Okay, so that is The Raven from 1935. A ray from this nebula will be caught here and electrically transferred to the projector in my laboratory. From Andromeda? Three quarters of a million light years distant. All right, so getting into the third film here on episode 226. Um, from 1936, we have The Invisible Ray. Now, this one right here was a first-time watch for me, like I mentioned off the top of the show, I think. Um, and I, I assumed it was also for you guys also, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they all were. Yep. Uh, yeah, this one right here, um, kind of interesting. It's, it's it's kind of like a like a mashup of like sci-fi and and horror and and almost like, man, if you wanted to go right out on a limb, man, like I mean, it has like almost like slasher elements to it, man. Like this dude is like on a revenge tale. 
taking out people one by one. I know it's going really far, but people are like, you're <laughs> fucking crazy. But it's kind of true, though, man. This guy's like hunting down people one by one. But anyways, quick little synopsis. A scientist becomes murderous after discovering and being exposed to the radiation of a powerful new element called Radium X. So I really like the premise to this movie here. I think it's actually quite interesting. Um, basically, Boris Karloff is a, well, you guys guessed it, doctor. Scientist. He's a doctor. He's a scientist. <laughs> and so he invents this telescopic uh, type thing that can basically see into the past. Um, it's like a telescope that can kind of see into the past. And what he discovers is that there was like this, um, like a meteor or something that crashed into, into Africa, like way back in the day, like in the dinosaurs, like 500 million years ago, whatever. Anyways, he notices this when he's looking up in the sky and shit like that. And he's like, well, we need to go investigate this. So he basically gets, uh, gets a whole crew together and they go over to Africa to go and find whatever crashed over there and stuff. And they end up finding this new element called radium X and he gets exposed to it, which ultimately kind of poisons him. It basically poisons him. It makes him glow. And, uh, the unfortunate thing is like when he touches something, it actually dies. So Bella Gosey, who is actually a, a doctor himself, um, comes up, he figures out uh, like an antidote for him. And he basically, Boris Karloff's character has to basically take this antidote, you know, daily to suppress the poison that's in his system. So he can, you know, able to touch things and stuff like that. And, but what happens is, uh, Lugosi's character actually kind of, and his crew kind of, um, I would say, what's the appropriate word? Not disrespect, but they kind of, they kind of cheat him a little bit. And he finds out about it and he decides that, well, fuck these people. I'm going to go out on a murderous rampage and uh, start taking them out one by one. So it's kind of an interesting premise for like 1930, 1936. Like a lot of slasher films have the same premise when, you know, somebody is done wrong. They come back on a murderous uh, rampage, you know, revenge type story. Um, It's pretty much the exact same thing. It really is proto slasher yeah i'm calling um, it man i'm calling it man it's like a proto slasher man just done differently but almost the exact same i mean he is infected which is kind of cool and like this is the type of movie again i think if you had a remake on this shit you could probably do this pretty cool maybe it has been remade i don't know but i don't know i i think there's a lot of cool elements to this movie i think it's main problem which i never thought i even mention in a show like this it's running time is too long <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Right, I agree. Especially when you're used to the other three, right? Like this one, it's like stands out, and you feel like there's less story in this one to, there is. to carry this type of thing. Um, I do like the opening scroll that says basically like every like major like technological like scientific advancement uh, when it was first theorized was laughed at mm-hmm. and basically saying like this could happen too <laughs> you know what right. I mean uh, I thought that was cool um, but yeah it, it is a little too long well what happens is it's got this really good opening sequence where you know I love the the stuff with the you know the space and you know the telescope and figuring out seeing into the past and then finding the radium X and like all that stuff is really cool but then the whole middle of the movie is just kind of like lacking and like it's kind of it's kind of cool because Karloff's character he 
his mom is blind and he, he cures his mother's blindness with this new element. But on the mm-hmm. flip side, Lugosi's doing the same thing, but he he doesn't really say anything. He kind of takes some radium from this from this crash site and stuff, and then he starts using it to his advantage and making money and, and curing people and stuff. And um, I don't know, man. Like, but that the whole middle part of the movie, like that, there's a section of it that's actually really kind of boring. Mm-hmm. It just kind of drags and drags and drags, and then the end is kind of funny. Like, and I will say. This movie right here actually has special effects. I know they they filmed this movie in like a few weeks, but they spent most of the time in post-production actually doing these effects that are so primitive now, right? It's basically just, it's like an overlay of, (laughs) you know, making him glow and things like that. But I will say like the end, the end of this movie, which I don't want to really give away, but it has a character jumping out of a window and kind of exploding and stuff. I'm just thinking to myself, like, it's like the original hilarious dummy death without the dummy. Right. It's, it's, it's kind of funny to me, but I don't know. I, I think the, the, the effects at the time were actually not bad. I thought the space stuff was actually done really well. It looks good. It actually looks pretty fucking good for 1936. Like I won't lie, but it's just the middle part of the movie. It's kind of bland. Yeah, I do like the drags of it. I do like the diabolicness of Karloff's character where he actually fakes his own death. He kills off somebody else by burning them up and shit like that, <laughs> which isn't shown, but he fakes his death, which he knows is going to make the papers and they read the papers and they're like, Oh shit, he's dead. So then when their members of their crew start dying off, he's like, well, I mean, it can't be him, you know, kind of thing. It's like, it's kind of cliched stuff, but I don't know. It, this one right here has a great premise is not executed perfectly. I do enjoy the third act a little bit and the body count. There's like a body count in this movie. Like he kills like, like five people or something. That's pretty crazy. Actually, I think it's probably the biggest body count, but Dave, I see you putting up your arms. What are your, what are your thoughts on this one? Okay. Well, what you said about the premise, I agree with definitely everything. Uh, <laughs> to hear Mooj describe it the way he did it at the beginning about it, it's essentially like a proto slasher and this and that. All that sounds so much more interesting and the premise <laughs> than what we actually get on camera. Like, I'm kind of going to pull like a Jeremy here and, and tell you right off the bat that I don't have a lot to say because I was basically bored almost throughout. I liked the beginning, I liked the climax. Everything in between, I just kept checking out, man. Even though it was an hour and 20 minutes, it felt like it was two hours. I was just kind of, I just couldn't get into it when it got started. I liked the FX. I liked when he was glowing, and I liked the killing, and I liked the uh, the other stuff. The like, dog death. Yeah, and, and when he blasted that rock when those guys are all there and it melted in the desert, that stuff was cool. I liked the character of his mother. She was cool. But those fucking newspapers, every five minutes come on up, mm, the newspaper is the narrative constantly, and I just fell out of it. I was just bored. I know. It, it's it, so it, weird to say. Isn't it funny, movie, too? I was. Like in 1936, where you're going to use like the old silent days, uh, you know. They I actually mean, do that in the next movie, too. With yeah, the yeah, once or twice, but not fucking like 20 times. Like in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like the newspaper literally was like the was part of the. Yeah, I know. I know that kind of yeah. it kind of took me out of it, too, man. It's taking it back to the silent days. That's what they used to do. Remember, in between shots, they would cut to yes. the, the dialogue and they would give you an explanation, you know, kind of thing. But and show a spinning paper. Yeah, I don't know how much you guys heard before I cut out there, but I was talking about the effects and like how the, did you guys hear me talk? Did I mention like the how the dummy death was 
Like the end would have been. That's actually what you were talking about. Okay, so yeah, it was yeah, a dummy I'm, death without seeing the dummy. Right? Without without the dummy, but like the effect. I will say, like the effects for 1936 actually were pretty decent. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it, it was still effective in what they were doing and stuff. But yeah, like I think the beginning of this film is strong, and I think the end is okay. But like the whole middle part of this movie is just very. It, it's it's pretty boring, actually. Like it really is. Like I don't know, man. I just I. Again, it's choppy even at 80 minutes, you know, like Karloff basically fakes his death and it's all kind of shown to you in a newspaper. Like you don't really get any of that stuff. And it's just unfortunate because it's just, it doesn't seem very good. I think the premise is like the best part. Like I like the idea of like, oh, we're able to look back in time. Like the sci-fi element's awesome. See that this meteor landed over here. Okay, let's go to Africa and look for it okay, we found it, okay, it has, who would have guessed, bad effects. Uh, you know what I mean? It, 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 it's it's not good. Um, and then the glowing thing, that like the way they do the effects is fine. I don't think it's like amazing or anything. I think like Invisible Man was like better yeah. in terms of effects. Um, but it's still pretty interesting. Um, I like the whole sci-fi aspect of it. And there's a few moments in it, like the dog thing where I was like... <laughs> <laughs> and uh stuff like that but i don't know i it just it, it, i'm with dave i was kind of bored with this one yeah i don't know it's uh the middle part of this movie is that you find yourself checking out like hardcore on it man um i i think a better movie would have been just them looking through the telescope and just figuring out all this shit that happened in the past and stuff like that's probably the more interesting like 80 minutes of that right there you know just, i rewound that like three times i didn't understand i'm like what did he say how is this happening so at the beginning of the movie i rewind like fucking three times yeah you made it even longer for yourself well because it's an interesting I, I premise I did, but for... i wanted to know i was like what, what's going on here exactly how is this happening and then maybe that did fuck up the experience but i'm just <laughs> glad that i'm not alone in this boat i no. thought i was gonna be like no the, no the one that said it was like boring you know yeah the, the 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 overall premise is definitely the strongest part here but um yeah the execution it just really is not there man it really isn't there um there's not really there's not even a lot of like you know like when he's on his rampage when he's going after the whole crew and stuff like that it doesn't even come across as being that it's not even that thrilling. There's not even that much to it. You know, it's just things, things are happening and we're not really seeing anything. I mean, really, I mean, there's unintentional funny moments when he touches the dog and the dog just drops and dies. (laughs) (laughs) It's shit like that, man. It's like ridiculous. But I mean, they do shoot around. Like it's not just done on sound sets either. Right. Like they're obviously shooting in certain parts and stuff. And which is kind of interesting. So the movie itself does feel a little bit bigger at times. But at the same time, it's actually quite boring, and I hate using that adjective, but it it, mm-hmm. it is kind of true though, man. It doesn't it does it's not that exciting. But I will say though, like Karloff in this movie looks completely different. Again, yeah, you know his, the yeah. look on him is his hair and just the way he looks and stuff is like completely different. Um, but I don't know. I don't really have no a whole lot <laughs> right? to really say. But there's not really much to say about it without you know kind of spoiling um, the whole thing so people really that was your worst time sorry go ahead GP. uh this movie um was like very successful at the box office in terms of like the money that it made but 
the fact that they spent way too much money on the budget like completely made it a failure for Universal. Yeah. Um, it actually did well in terms of the numbers that it brought in if the budget wasn't so high. But this film had a $166,000 budget, and then they went $68,000 over budget. And that was so. for the effects that they had to put on it too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And making it look like they were in Africa, different sets they had to do and stuff. Yeah. You know, they probably spent yeah. you know a little more with that, and I I wish that they would have spent a little more time on the whole relationship with the girl and where that went with that guy. That would have actually been more interesting, if done the right way, to have more of a human element than just a simple "this is this happening." These guys screwed them over, and here we go, and we got newspapers. Right. I don't know. It could have figured in more. Like the stuff with the mother was cool. There was a little heart to it. You cared about the mother. I did. I thought she was cool. I like what the resolution with her at the end and what she was saying to him. And even in the beginning, like it seems like usually I want to see more of the killing and more of this stuff. But for some reason, I think I would have enjoyed it more if they spent a little more time on the, the interactions with the mother and, and the love interest. But I don't know. I'm just trying to find something different than what I got. I mean, considering gotcha. he did cure her blindness, right? And then where the resolution goes to, yeah. There, if you had built up that relationship in, the, in that character a little bit more, probably probably would have been a little bit more effective too, right? Because mm-hmm. it's something that you know, as a as a parent, you wouldn't really want to have to do. No. no. So you, you could create, you know, you could create something else from there, but yeah i don't know this one right here is just uh it is what it is man i don't think it's horrible by any means i i don't think it's great by any means either but um it is pretty average though in my opinion yep. um if i had to rate it i'm I, i'm definitely coming in at like a five out of ten on this one i don't think it's like it's terrible but i i don't think it's high at all it is boring dave yeah i'm a five as well yeah um I gave it a little bit higher. I came in at a six, um, but I don't disagree with five. Okay. Well, that's the invisible Ray from 1936. Recently newspapers and magazines everywhere carried an amazing story. Reporters saw Dr. Manley Hall hypnotize actor Lugosi to give reality to a scene in black Friday. Horror struck. They witnessed the hypnotized actor's mortal agony as Lugosi actually experienced the terror of suffocating to death in a closet. Let me out, please! I'm suffocating! All right, so getting into the last in the last and final film, that was just overkill, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, there are five more box sets of this, so I'm sure we'll return to it sometime down the road. But yeah, and, and for now, the last and final of the Universal yeah, set. There's still a bunch more. Well, there's like maybe four more Karloff films within the sets. Four, maybe, something like that. But yeah, so this one from 1940 called Black Friday. Now, the working title for this movie when they were filming it was actually Friday the 13th. Just a little bit of a factoid there. Yeah, is the, oh. this is the first Friday the 13th horror film. Wow, I know. It was kind of cool to see that it yeah. came up on the on the calendar, Friday yeah. the 13th. And yeah. I was like, how do you like that? Which That's make, cool. Which makes sense because like Friday the 13th is also known as like a Black Friday, right? So... But yeah, right. could you imagine if this was actually called Friday the Thirteenth? Though, kind of crazy. No shit. That would have. I, I I wonder if we would have ended up getting right. Friday Thirteenth right. as Friday the Thirteenth. That's exactly what I wanted to know. Could have been Camp Blood, right? Yeah. It could have been Camp Blood, and that's what I always wondered. Like, I'm like, that's kind of crazy that 
maybe they wouldn't call it Friday the 13th, but it's such an iconic name. Right. Friday the 13th. It's just, that's crazy. Um, all right. So again, starring Karloff and Lugosi. I think we made that clear at the beginning of the the show. Um, so, yeah. Synopsis. Dr. Sovak transplants the brain of a gangster into his professional friend's body to save his life. But there is a side effect that causes a dangerous split personality. Now, the thing I want to I want to say off the top of this um, movie review is that this was a weird production because. So Boris Karloff was originally cast as the professor in this movie. Right. who plays the dual role as of the professor slash gangster gangster. Yeah. So Karloff actually turned down the role because he was afraid of the role. And this is like out of the director's mouth. He didn't want to do the role because he wasn't sure on how, how to like kind of separate the characters and do them properly. And, and, and my theory is it may have something to do with maybe his accent. I have no idea. I'm not hundred percent mm-hmm. sure. And where Bella Gosi was actually cast originally as Karloff's character in the film, which he plays the doctor. So when Karloff decided that he didn't want to do the dual role, he went into the Gosi's role of the doctor, and the Gosi got bumped down to playing uh, the small little gangster role in this film, which he's mm. totally miscast. This is what I was referring to yeah. in the beginning <laughs> of the film, because he's supposed to be playing an American gangster, but he's not even trying to do an American <laughs> accent. He's literally like Hungarian fucking, like, it's just so miscast it's unbelievable it's really kind of disturbing um this movie actually doesn't have any scenes with Karloff and Lugosi together in the movie they're in the same film but they don't have any scenes together which is unfortunate because their presence together is always really good but again Lugosi's character is just so ridiculous in this movie it's, it's so unbelievable um it's it's unfortunate like Karloff is good as the doctor in the film I think he's really really good but again Black Friday is billed as a Karloff Lugosi film. And at the end of the day, Stanley Ridges is the whole movie. He right. plays the dual well, personality. It's, it's, He's it's, so good I, in I this. Think, so in both the special features both on this, um, it, it seemed more as if Karloff did not want to uh, play a gangster role uh, at that age that he was, I guess. Right. Um, because he did, he wasn't Scarface as yeah, a gangster. Yeah, he was not Scarface. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, he was I, more scared about being people not or him not being able to do the characters completely separate, right? Because the professor, like when Stanley Ridges is playing the professor, he is such a different character than he is as right. the gangster. Maybe, like it's yeah. unbelievable. It's like night and day. He looks different. He sounds different. His demeanor's different. Oh, yeah. His diet, like everything, he does a great job. And like, if I had to break down some of the most underrated roles of all time, this has got to be one of them. Stanley Ridges fucking kills this movie. He makes this entire movie so well. I feel like I would rather still have had it one of the two, though. Of course, but it, 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 it didn't be. Honestly, I don't think they could. I don't think they could do it as Lugosi. well. And I know we've been talking great about about Karloff, especially, and, and and the things that these guys can do. I don't think that they'd be able to pull it off the way this guy did. See, I think I just don't. I, don't I think that Karloff could have pulled it off if he was playing a British gangster. But the fa- <laughs> no, but I'm being serious because, like Stanley Ridge, he's an American. 
where Lugosi and Karloff are not Americans and like them trying to play an American gangster is not believable when you don't sound like an American gangster. Right. You would have to change your, like you, it's called acting. You would have to change it. And we know actors do this all the time. They put on accents, they take off accents and it's, it's believable. I've seen actors before. I thought that were American that turned out they weren't because I've only ever seen them do American accents before. Like that's called acting. And I'm not saying Spider-Man. I'm not saying they, they, they didn't have the chops, but I'm just saying, like, I think at the time, Karloff was a little bit afraid that he probably couldn't do the accent properly. And, and Lugosi, I don't think was that was his thing. Right? right. And, well, and and yeah, so but, so they just had to go inside the box. But I mean, the way Ridges changed his look, I don't think that Lugosi, the way his, his face looks and the way... I not, Pardon me. Not, not, not Lugosi. Karloff. Uh, something about the way Ridges looks... The way he can do it, the shape of his face and his features, I think it's a lot more believable and the voices. Mm-hmm. It's not a knock on Karloff. There are some great actors that just, there's there's certain tricks that they can't do as well as other actors. Like I think Edward Norton would do do this better than, who do you think is the greatest actor in the world? Right. Um, the Rock. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, not well, well, it's but, funny but you mentioned Edward Defoe. Norton. I'll say Willem Dafoe, I think, is the greatest. He's one of my favorites. But I think Edward Norton would do better in in a role like this. Well, we've seen him do that before yeah, in the movie all. with, uh, what was it, Richard Gere? Or the one where he plays the dual? Uh, he does a uh, dual. Primal Fear. Primal Fear. Primal Fear. And that's yeah. a great example because that's like two completely different fucking roles, right? Like. You know, right. when when people play dual roles in movies and are so believable in both, I'm just blown away by it. But like oh, Stanley shit. Ridges, he does a good job in this because like when he wakes up in yes. bed and he's the professor and then all of a sudden he's pushing people's faces around in the back of a cab as the gangster. And you're just like, that's not even the same fucking person, dude. And like, this is like 1940, right. man. Like he's killing this fucking role, man. It's crazy. Yeah. It's so Steals intriguing to me. I mean, this movie's been done a, a thousand times after. It might even been done before with like you know the the brain transplants. You know, like the supernatural where people switch bodies and Freaky Fridays and Black Friday. Like this type right. of narrative has been done a hundred thousand times. But <laughs> and and generally, yeah. I don't like these narratives. I really don't like these kind of dual things when it comes to like this type of narrative but this is really well done because it's like a brain transplant kind of plays into the horror element and but it's, it's mainly a, a gangster movie it, it really is it really is not even a horror film it just has that element of like that sci-fi kind of horror element with the surgery and right, stuff right. but it really the movie is is it's basically a gangster kind of action type um, drama type thing whatever you want to call it but Right. It's not a Karloff Lugosi vehicle the way the other movies are. It really Simple isn't, man. It really isn't. Like when you see Stanley Ridges on camera, he's mostly on in scenes with with Karloff, but it's 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 his movie. It's Stanley Ridges' movie. It really is. Mm-hmm. It's all about him, you know. And it's kind of an interesting, uh, kind of an interesting thing. But I mean, that's marketing's always been like that. I mean, we'll watch indie films nowadays, and they'll be like, oh. Uh, um, you know, Tony Leanna, Todd. yeah, Tony Todd, Leanne Quigley is in this, and they're in it for like three seconds, right? Top build, uh, like fuck. So, I mean, they do get a lot. They get a fair amount. I mean, I wouldn't say Lugosi's in the film that much. Actually, Lugosi's character is no. actually quite. Um, oh, dude, it's it's frustrating, man. It's really yeah. frustrated what he got downgraded to in this movie, but yeah. Oh man, it just doesn't work. It's really you know really what it poorly miscast. Of? There was an Abbott and Costello, one of the ones with the monsters. They did the four monster movies, and it was one of them where they were actually more of side characters 
than the leads, and I can't remember which one it was, but I, I did them all for a podcast for Skeleton Crew because Alex loves the fucking uh, Abbott and Costello. We did all the monster movies. Right. And I can't remember which one, but one of them, they were both kind of relegated to fucking smaller roles and other mm-hmm. people were just on the screen more. That's what this reminds me of. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. wish I could remember which one it was. but I it can't was, remember either. Hmm. But you guys know what I'm talking about? Do you right. recall? Right, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. I well, you know, um, I, I do like the premise of this movie. Not not only does he save his friend's life with, you know, the transplant, but, like, he, f- Karloff's character as this doctor figures out that, you know, the, this gangster has, like, half a million dollars hidden away in, um, in somewhere in New York and stuff. So, like, once he does the transplant on his buddy, well, we need to, like, do some healing time. Let's go to New York. <laughs> right? So it's, like, it's kind of diabolic in that aspect where he's trying to get him to reveal where this money is so he can, like, take the money for himself kind of thing and stuff. And it's actually kind of a cool storyline. It really is. I kind of I kind of dig where it's it is coming cool. from. Yeah. So, and, and it's a well-acted movie. It's 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 pretty well done. Um, it's entertaining. I, I think this one's really, really entertaining. I, I just think the, the thing that kind of hurt, it's kind of like a gut punch to myself is, is Bella Gosi's character, man. It's just, it's awful to see him miscast like this because you're just like, every time he's on the screen, you're like, Oh my God, it's so bad. It's so bad. And the dialogue that he has at times, dude, is so bad too. They wrote him, they gave him bad dialogue and I'm just like, Oh, it's embarrassing. It's the worst part about the movie. I'm sorry. I would never really say that about Legosi, but at least Karloff's character is like reasonable, yeah. right? He does a good job in it, and oh my god, it's so bad though. It's and Lugosi, so- doesn't it? Is it was it me or did his accent seem thicker in this movie than the other the previous two that we just watched? Maybe, maybe he was right? trying to do an Amer- American. He was trying to be right? American, but it was coming out worse as Hungarian. He sounded more like Dracula right. here than anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's so yeah. fucking true. Like I know there's something definitely off with it. You're right. You're you're right, man. It's yeah. hilarious. Everything about it was wrong. Maybe he did it on purpose. Maybe he did it out of protest. He was like, well, fuck this. I'm going to, you know what? I don't know. Well, that was the thing, though. That was the thing with 1940 is like, you know, and I think that was one of the biggest reasons why people always thought that Karloff and Lugosi had this, like, this undermining, like, kind of, you know, battle. Like, maybe they weren't right friends. Because if you look at, like, the history of their films and stuff, Karloff always got paid more than Lugosi in every movie. He always like in some cases. In some cases, he was getting double the money. Like you know, Lugosi get five thousand a movie. And Karloff would if I'm Dracula, bitch. If Lugosi was getting five (laughs) thousand, Karloff was getting ten thousand. Like it was, you know, they might even have the same screen time kind of thing. And it's just funny. Like Karloff was always getting billed more. And by the way, Karloff is like look up how much $500,000 would be after inflation today. It'd be about $10 million. Yeah. Yeah. 10 million. So I go for it too. <laughs> yeah. That's the guy. He yeah. did say, he goes, if you save me, I'll give you, I'll give you whatever you want. Remember right. he said, just yeah. save me. I'll give you whatever money you want. He told him. So yeah, I think he kind of felt justified. Word. Right. <laughs> Fuck. Right. I mean, I'll take 500 K now, but back then you're right. <laughs> right. But you know what? You know what? The, one of the most unconvincing things about the movie is besides Lugosi's performance as the American gangster is when they do find the the money. I'm not sure how five hundred thousand dollars was fitting into that little money tin. That 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 was going to hold maybe five thousand dollars. Dollar bills, dude. But five hundred. Yeah, he did say it. But there would have to be thousand dollar bills. 
They did. They go, they really exist. Ma, look, $100,000. dollars bills. <laughs> but still, $1,000 bills. So, so we're looking at what, five? What is that, 5,000? No, 5,000 times this. No, 500, right? $500,000 bills. So 500 are going to fit in there. 500 bills. Will they fit in that compartment? I don't know. I don't know. I've never really seen five. Let me get Maybe. 500 It is ones. pretty small. I feel it's like, like 500 ones. Right. It's like one of those normal kind of like. Yeah, but ones are the fucking flimsiest. They're, they're, they're too big. <laughs> you got to get like crisp fucking, you know, ones are so dirty and fucking, they're fat. They expanded and, and, a little right. bit. Yes. Yeah. Get, get $100 bills if you really want to fucking and try it that way. Yeah. Get some yeah. rubber bands around them. Gangster roll those fuckers. I guess. It just seemed like it was such <laughs> um, a small container for $500,000. I'm like, even yeah, with $1,000 bills, I'm like, really? You're getting that many in there? <laughs> Fuck. I don't um, know. I like the bookend to this, though. To the movie. Like, the bookends. With Karloff. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Did we freeze yeah. up again? No, no, I was thinking about the bookends. I was trying to fucking figure it out because my memory is awful. <laughs> <laughs> I know how it starts. I remember what goes on with it. I can't remember. Well, I'm trying to stay a little bit spoiler free on this movie no. just because I feel I like, you know, even though these movies are so old, people probably should have seen them. But then again, you guys said, like, some people just don't watch movies like this, right? So I feel like a movie was, if we're talking about a movie that came out in 1984, I'm like, fuck it, man. Honestly, I think talking about a movie that came out in 1940 is similar to talking about a film that came out in 2018. It is. Like, nobody watches, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, 1984. Nobody watches, like, the newest shit or the oldest shit. Right? 1984? Right. I don't feel bad about spoiling that shit. I'm like, bro, you should have seen Shud. Right. Go fuck yourself. you never seen Shud. Right. John Goodman's at the end. Right. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, like, if like I still see people, like... They'll post something about a movie. They'll be like, finally getting around to this one. And it's like from like 2017. And I'm like, damn, bro. I had watched that like four times since then. Right. <laughs> right. But like yeah. my casual viewers don't really watch like new shit as it comes out. It's usually like three years later they'll get to it. It's weird. I noticed that too. But um, yeah, I think this movie is pretty solid. Though. Definitely better than Invisible Ray. Not really a horror film, but uh, it's fun. Yeah, I, I, you know, I always like this one a lot, man. I think Stanley Ridges, man, oh, he just, he, he sells the movie for me so well. I just like the whole premise, though. The brain transplant, going after money, we got gangsters involved, even though some of them aren't very convincing. <laughs> but I, I even yeah, like like the whole bar. Like, box. With, yeah, like when they're at the, the, the chick's apartment and stuff, like where the bar is and like... This guy like knows where everything is. I just like all that shit, man. It's, it, yeah, cigarettes in the drawer. Who keeps cigarettes in the drawer? Are the cigarettes still in the drawer? Right, right. <laughs> just all the little they mechanics. Go after a fucking couple days. Right? Yeah, all the little mechanics and shit are really cool and stuff. It's it's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. It's a good watch. Um, again, it's really short, man. It only runs like seventy minutes, but I I feel like it's kind of perfect for what it is, though. Like, there's not really a lot of shit that you need to really elaborate on, and it doesn't overstay its welcome. It doesn't understay. It's uh, desire, and I don't know. Kind of works. Works. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I dug it. Did he freeze? Oh, we're good. <laughs> no, I'm I'm good. Not in freeze. In freeze. Stolen. I. All right. I don't know what that was. Fucking. I'm blaming Skype again. Kick me the fuck out of here, man. I was yeah, online happens. buying porno. When that shit, so my internet was still working. 
I'm telling you, man. I was buying sex toys and porno and shit, man. It's like, no, I wasn't. But, uh, but yeah, Black Friday from 1940. Um, back to Dave? Back to Dave. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've, I've said all I'm going to say. It's, it's, it's like you said, Stanley Ridger steals the show. He is the fucking, and the story is good enough, but it's, you know, and again, you said they've done stuff like this before, and they have, but not quite this way. I don't know. I, I definitely enjoyed it. Is it really horror? No, but it's a good story. It's sci-fi-ish enough, and it's interesting. It's just cast aside your thoughts about Karloff. Well, Karloff is fine, but forget about Lugosi and what he does yeah. and go along for the ride. And I'm still okay with it. I, I, I come up, uh, it's a seven for me. Yeah, I feel like, you know, I wasn't sure if, if they'd done this type of personality switch or com- combination prior to 1940 but from 1940 on they've done it a hundred times <laughs> like we've seen these type of movies variations of them so many fucking times but up to 1940 i'm not sure i'm actually just not sure so if it was yeah. the first time this type of thing was done it's, it's pretty cool it's pretty cool it's mm-hmm. interesting and it might, again you know like if you could go back in time and watch these movies when they came out you'd be like bro that's like seeing people's reactions like everyone's just so desensitized to everything now it's like you can't shock anybody but some of the stuff man it must have been so unique so unique pretty cool i always think about that shit when i'm watching movies like, <clears throat> what what was the reaction like when they were watching this sit in the shit right. in the cinema they're like yeah. eating popcorn going right oh fuck really <laughs> like freak people out legitimately freak people out man shit. uh gp um yeah, uh, I uh, gave it a 7 out of 10. Okay, yeah, I'm in a 7.5 out of 10. A little bit higher. I'd probably be higher, cool. man, if Lugosi's character didn't suck so much, but... Yeah. Right, it's yeah. just It's just unfortunate. Can't win them all. No, it's just it's very unfortunate. Yeah. Well, after watching three, like, solid performances in three movies, even though Invisible Ray's not that great, but the Karloff and Lugosi are fine in the movies. They're actually really good. But to this one, it's like there's a huge separation, and it's odd. Stanley Ridges, man, he, he kills it. Great. All right, so that is going to do it for Universal Box Set Show Volume 1. Thank you, Sam, for the, the Patreon pick. We finally got to it. I'm, I'm sure this was like a year and a half after <laughs> it was supposed to be done, maybe. Yeah, this, was a, this one was a while. Um, but yeah, that that was fun. I'm glad we got to do that. We don't really tackle a lot of like very old films, so that was fun. Yeah, and it's, it's an excuse to watch them, man, for me because I never get yeah. to watch them, and it's just like usually it ends up being for a podcast or it's Halloween time. But right. that's really the only time I really venture into this territory. Mm-hmm. So maybe shame on me, but I'm just glad I got to watch them. You know, yeah, I, well, I, there's five more box sets, so um, you're welcome back for those ones when we eventually get to them. <laughs> Why not, man? Yeah, you know, you know, I, I, I go on these, I go on these kind of, uh, I wouldn't say tangents, but when I get watching older films, I stick with it. Like I recently, I think I watched seventeen. I want to maybe seventeen Vincent Price movies recently, like in a row. Wow! In the so, middle of ninety four action, huh? Yeah, well, I'm pretty much done. I was just watching <laughs> movies, but the the thing is, I, I watched one and I was like, fuck, I want to watch another one, and I just like just rolled with it man i just kept watching fucking vincent price because vincent price is my favorite actor right so i'll do this a lot though like i'll just start watching movies and 
older shit, but I've been watching a ton, man. Like I got a bunch of other Karloff movies sitting on my table right now. I'm like, kind of got the mood for Karloff. So I'm going to watch a bunch of other ones, but just a presence, man. I, I like presence. I, I like old presence, man. That's why I love watching old Oliver Reed movies, man, because he was either really shit faced in every movie or he <laughs> like, he's just, I, there's something about his presence, man. It's amazing. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. just don't got guys like that anymore there's no more Bronsons we still have Eastwood but he's not Eastwood he's old but yeah anyways you guys get what I'm saying but anyways that's going to conclude episode 226 here 22 shots of music and horror thank you Dave for stopping by once again so we could talk about some old old films almost spoiler free maybe not completely but it was fun it was fun yeah, otherwise you. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure you'll be probably back soon again. Yeah. Friday, which is <laughs> five days <laughs> from, from now. Uh, actually. Yeah. So the next show that's coming out, if people are still listening out there is going to be the top 10 in 1994, which is going to be featuring me, JP, Dave Z, Dave Parker and, uh, Carly. And that's going to be it. So that is going to be a very, very special episode because we're going to do something a little bit different when we're picking the next year. That's true. So stay tuned for that. So stay tuned for that. And we're really, really excited for what's going to be coming. And you guys probably will be too. So it's going to be a fun summer. I think it's going to be a fun yeah. summer. It'll be fun. <laughs> right. All right. So that's going to, that's going to do it guys. We're out of here. All right. Peace out guys. Deuces. Stop.